can just tell you're going to get cool stuff. And that really either sparks somebody's interest or gets them to run in the other direction. <laughs> and then you never see them again. Like they, they had so much hope for Borneos. And when you can't tell them it's a dominant, an incomplete dominant or a recessive, and you know what they're going to get, you just see like all the hope fall out of them. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to From the Ground Up podcast. So a few things, of course, to get out of the way, portcitypythons.com. We have t-shirts available as well as we have a bunch of animals available. And yeah, if you guys can't see, we do have our guest in-house today for the first time this since... Our first Philly, yeah, in-house Philly guest. Yeah, so it's the first time since uh, probably back in having Evan on back in Texas. We'll see our last, yeah, I think Evan was our last in-house guest. So yeah, we'll break in the new room. Stop said, holy shit, Evan looks totally different. I'm wrong, my God. <laughs> so what the hell are we talking about? There's Amazon links down below and just shop as you normally would once you click on those. There is one more thing that we Two always weeks. say. Two weeks till the Oak Show, our first show we're vending. There you go. Oaks, Pennsylvania. We will be at the Oak Show. So everyone come hang out if you'd like. Other than that, we're going to get to our guest. So today we have Matt Minatola on of Philly Herpticulture. So Matt, could you give us a little overview of what you work with and how you got into it? Sure. I'm super excited to be on webcam and everything, by the way. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mostly focus on Borneo short tail pythons and blood pythons. Do I look at the camera or look at you? <laughs> Both, man. Both are. Yeah, so... Um, that's my main focus. Uh, I also have a good amount of green tree pythons now. I breed retics, a few ball pythons still laying around, South Brazilian amaryllis, amaryllis, uh, sanzinia, rough scale pythons. I'm not breeding all this stuff, just breeding wise, I breed Borneo short tails, blood pythons, ball pythons, retics, and I have bred green tree pythons before and South Brazilian amaryllis. So. Everything else I do want to breed. It's not of size yet, so everyone always asks about like Sanzinia and all this other stuff. Like, it's not even close yet. So. You do buy though in breeding <clears throat> pairs, pretty much. Yeah, everything. yeah. Some things start out as a as a pet, like retic back in 2010. I'm like, oh cool, I'll just get a retic as a pet. I just want a big snake. Didn't last long. It was quick, <laughs> quick to go get a pair, and then it became seven, and then eight, and then I narrowed it back down. Well, it was also super dwarf and dwarf locality, which still gets big, so. But yeah, never so lost. how do you choose? Because obviously you're pretty strict on your Borneos as far as producing, but you seem to get an eye for other things. So what do you look for as far as when you're looking for new pets and what kind of gets your eye? I don't know. Just I know talking to Eric and Owen, they've opened my eyes to a lot of things. I was kind of in a box and uh, I would see cool stuff, but wouldn't pay attention. Oh, sorry. And uh, start listening to the show, start finding out how cool species are go check it out in person, and then, you know, like, shows ruined me. I'll go see something. Like, Sanzini, it was never even on my radar last year at Tinley. I seen some. Everybody was talking about it. I started looking them up, and, like, within two weeks, I got some. But luckily, I mean, it's hard to get them. I got real lucky. I got one. 
Owen went to the Hamburg show, which I actually missed. And he's like, um, he was like texting me. I was sleeping. Wake up, wake up. Here's a pair. And I was like, <laughs> buy them, buy them now. <laughs> and I actually knew the breeder, so I just PayPal'd them. Owen bought them back for me. So within two weeks of wanting something that's pretty hard to find, I had like a I have a 2.1 of uh, the Mandarin Sanzinia. That's so. like the bad part of having friends. <laughs> no, I'm that, not to say that's a good part. Well, it, <laughs> it's good and the bad. It's definitely good and bad because between any reptile guy, they see something that you ever mention, you're getting blown up with pictures like, dude, do you want it? Do you want it? And they just get you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, sometimes you're like, maybe I shouldn't do that right now, but you kind of have to take action when it comes to animals like that. They don't just come around too often. Yeah, yeah, true. Like, um, once again, Sri Lankan pythons, I've, they've, I've always liked them, never really paid that much attention, but out of berms and, and rock, Sri Lankans always were something I paid attention to more. And I know Eric was looking for them, so I found the mail, got back to him, he bought it, went over to check it out in person the next week, went home and was like, I gotta have some. <laughs> and luckily I found some. Like, it's crazy that I got lucky and found some. But the, the search is also a lot of fun, but then yeah. you kind of hope not to find it sometimes, and, and yeah, you find it and you spend a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, because these, I mean, these animals aren't cheap. No, no, it was, that, that was some of the animals where I like, I tell my wife, I'm like, Kim, I got a good opportunity on these animals. <laughs> like, I know we just got some extra money, but I'm gonna have to spend it. And like, she's really cool, she understands. That's the good thing about having like a supportive wife. So she was like, yeah, if you say you need them, all right, go ahead. <laughs> so it's, it's crazy a non-reptile person going, yeah, you can spend 1500 bucks on a pair of snakes I know nothing about. So she trusts yeah. me in that way. So yeah, I'm get never lucky. gonna say that to you. No. <laughs> it's, it's probably never gonna happen. Well, I've used that up a lot, so it's becoming less and less to be like. Now it's she just gives me a look, and it's I gotta go one way or the other. Luckily, I'm making a lot of trades, so I don't. It's not even any money exchange. I'm, you know, boxes will go out, and she'll be like, "Where?" And boxes will come in. She'll be like, "Where'd you get this from?" Like, did you see boxes go out? Trades, you know, straight up. You know, snake for snake. It's it's okay. So. That, that takes this thing away from a lot of things. It takes this thing away from me too, you know, with money changing over and all that stuff, so. So how many snakes do you usually produce a year? Um, so yeah, I kind of got the numbers now. I guess Borneos is anywhere between, I'd say between 60 to 100. I don't like to do 100, but if everything hits, I get like 100 reds anymore. I'm doing between like 25 and, and 50. More, more in the middle, and then I do one clutch of retics here and there. I haven't done ball pythons in like three or four years, and I, I had the one the first time I ever tried to breed condors. I got lucky and got ten eggs, hatched them all. Everything went great, and feeding trials began, and everything didn't go great. So I didn't. Uh, big learning experience for me. Got four eating, three rock solid, but they all kind of dehydrated, fell off. The other ones I was too relaxed with, and yeah, they just all fell apart. So I'm. I'll, I'll go back to it and be a lot more heads up on everything. Yeah. So I know you do have a decent collection of chondros now, so you're going to keep on going? Yeah, but I mean, at first I thought it would be cool to breed <laughs> like three pairs a year. Like, oh, it'd be cool to have three clutches. No, that's that's <laughs> crazy. I don't know how I don't know how chondro people could do 30 eggs or, or whatever. Oh, is it too low? <laughs> no, you're good. My bad. Uh, I don't know how chondro people could do like 30 babies. It's, I know it's not 10 every time, but I just mean, even at 15, it's, 
it's a struggle. I'm just not a chondro guy, so just that patience. It's Borneo babies, blood babies, everything. You drop something in there, it generally takes it. Or you got to trick it with sending chondros. It was a lot. <laughs> it was trying in the afternoon, trying at night, doing all the wiggling and all that stuff. You know, tail teasing, trying to touch their neck if they run. Close it up. Do it later. It was nothing. <laughs> it's a very defeating feeling. It really is. You're just like, oh man. And I mean, at that time, it's not like that's your first clutch. You're like, yeah. you've been successful in the past, and then you're just like, hit a whole new problem. Yeah, I think that's a problem too. If you're like your first clutch, or you're just a chondro guy, you're excited about this. You're you can't wait. But when everybody says, when you get chondro babies, it's going to be a nightmare. You're already like prepped for. This is going to suck. And then, like, everything else eats so easy. What's going on here? So, it's yeah, it kind of sucked. <laughs> so, I guess we never, to backtrack a little, I never really got into how you got interested in the short tails in particular. Like, that clearly is not probably the first animal you ever owned. So No. Um, so, you want me to start, like, where my reptile background began? All right. So, um, my dad was, like, a not like, I wouldn't say a fish guy. We didn't have a lot of money. But he liked fish tanks. So, we had some freshwater fish tanks and me and him used to walk Frankfurt Avenue every week, which is, is it's in, you know, you're in Philly now. Maybe <laughs> you'll see it. Um, Don't but this used to have, just used to have tons of stores. It was under the L where I used to live. And, and there was a pet store, birds, birds, birds. And he would go in there and buy fish. Oh, let me clear my throat. Just like you. Like I <laughs> Everyone's stuffy in here. Yeah. It's, start, it's starting to be winter in Philly now. Um, so, he would go in there and buy fish. My dad was a really good carpenter, and the guy wanted new tank stands. So my dad volunteered for the job, which put me in the pet store like all day Saturday and Sunday as a five-year-old. And I liked the fish, but then I started liking turtles, snakes, and they had a little reptile section, which the guy that owned the store let me stand in front of, and he said, you work here now, you help people. So <laughs> I thought I was so important. Uh, meanwhile, I'm just standing there probably giving people all kinds of misinformation and chasing people away. <laughs> But the guy being like a true salesman, he's trying to pay my dad in turtles and snakes now because he sees that I like them. And we don't, my dad wants money, but he starts bringing home a couple turtles, newts, stuff like that. Stuff that's water and aquatic. He didn't have anything against snakes. It's just that, you know, there was no snakes in the play yet. So I started finding my own snakes. I found DK snakes, which I actually did pretty good with for a kid. I'd feed them earthworms and they would take off. Garters, no luck. You would, I would do the guppies. In the water, crickets, worms, they, I never had a garter live. But DKs I could raise for a little bit. And um, after they seen that I did that, they always promised me I was going to get, like, I, there was a milk snake in the store that I just wanted. I was young. Never got the milk snake. Continued on with turtles and newts till I was 7, 8. And then finally, uh, when I got a little older, uh, my buddy Craig was in the reptiles. He was more into lizards, monitors, and stuff like that. And his dad was also into, like, chameleons. So he knew somebody would have big ball python that the kid wanted like 75 bucks for, but my friend Craig was a little crazy and said, you're gonna give it to Matt for 40, cause that's what I had. <laughs> so, I mean, this is literally like, it's like 10 blocks from my house. We bring nothing Barter, with it. So yeah. you're just carrying, a, I'm just carrying a ball python around my neck back home. As a kid. Yeah, as a kid. And this was back when I was a kid. So I used to take my ball python. I was that guy, you know, Together. taking my ball python for a walk and outside in the summertime. <laughs> I knew not to bring it out in the winter. I wasn't like that crazy. So I got like a homemade cage from his uh, dad's friend. And then I got a, a, a red tail boa, which was a Columbia. 
I got an Agama. I forget what locality because I wanted a bearded dragon, but I didn't have like 250 bucks as a kid. So Agama was 20, and I was like, "This will work." Uh, a Nile monitor, a Savannah monitor. Oh, just a Nile yeah. monitor. Oh yeah, Nile monitor, Savannah monitor, Iguana, and I'm like 11 years old. So all that stuff in a back room, and it just would smell, and you know, it'd be crazy. But that's kind of how it took off. And then obviously I became a teenager, started forgetting about it, and. Um, my mom said, start selling it because it's getting stinky back there, sold it. And then I met my wife when I was young. We got a house when I was 18. And the first thing I thought is I'm getting some snakes because I have no, no have restrictions. <laughs> I have no restrictions and all this stuff. And I, I went out right away and got some ball pythons, but I hit online. And I said, I don't have to like, I'm like this thinking like ball pythons, boas. And um, I came across Pro Exotic site and they had lots of blood pythons, which I was like, those look so strange. <laughs> They're these big fat snakes. The heads don't even come close to the middle of the body. And they would do these cool bucket shots. They would do like big tubs or, or trash can shots, like big trash cans with adults in there, like 10 of them or eight of them. And it just looked so impressive. And then I clicked on Borneo short tails and was just thought even like, wow, that's even better. So then my goal was to find them. And that was like too early 2003, maybe late 2002. And couldn't find them anywhere. So I ran into a guy at a pet store who I became really good friends with. He showed me Hamburg. <laughs> this is, I went to Hamburg in search of a Borneo short tail or a red blood, nothing. <laughs> one guy was walking one around, I bought it for 150 bucks. It had a respiratory infection right off the jump. Soon I got it home, it's blowing bubbles out the nose. I never experienced that. And it was a baby. You don't ever see that in babies. And uh, from there on, I found better places to get stuff, but that's just how it happened. And, Kept ball pythons and, and Borneos and Reds for a while, and then it grew into like Bowas and everything else. So that first Borneo, bringing it home with a Respa, that didn't like set you back? You weren't put no, off by it? No, because it had it right off the jump. Oh, really, it was, <laughs> so that had it right off the bat. But my first like three other ones, I was doing them in tanks. I had no interest in breeding. I just wanted big, impressive animals. Like I just wanted to keep them. And my idea of like natural setups was the turf. <laughs> And like hanging leaves with a background with a rock water bowl. Um, and uh, doing them in tanks was a disaster. I was trying to like cover half the tank because back then it was like, you got to keep them humid, but not wet. So I'm like spraying glass tanks with a heat light on there. But like I, I got like a 40 watt bulb on there because you can't cook them. So I'm trying all these weird balances and it just ain't working. And I'm just spending hundreds at the vet. Jeez. But I'm not giving up because I think these snakes are awesome. So when I start talking to my buddy more at the pet store, I find out he has an albino ball python and he didn't have a lot of money. I'm like, how do you have, ain't that like tons of money? And he said, I breed it. I breed it to get my money back and get cooler projects. So then my idea was like, I'm going to breed because I want lots of snakes More. and I don't want to pay lots of money. <laughs> that's kind of how my mentality is now. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I make applies. money and everyone's like, dude, they hear the price of one of my snakes. They're like, dude, you make lots of money. And I'm like, eh, kind of, you know, you, you buy more snakes, you upgrade. I mean, I am at the point where I'm putting a lot of money in my bank account. It's supplement stuff. It, it was like mortgage is higher now, but it was something else on vacation and getting us Christmas presents. But now, I mean, but it always is like a percentage goes back into buying it's new snakes. A it's a cycle. Yeah. New snakes, you, you, a thermostat's bad. You want a new thermostat. You can, I'm very uniform. I'm very weird with my room. So I want all the same water bowl and everything like that. You see my show set up. I like a nice show set up and the banners and all the flashy stuff. Not to be flashy, I just always was impressed by that and thought it's professional. It's not yeah, flashy. yeah. I think it's yeah. That's what I mean. I th I always want to be like professional, and they're the boots that I would hit. If I liked an animal, I don't care if it was on a deli cup on the 
table with no cloth, I'd buy it if I liked it. But I always appreciated the shows back then of uh, seeing what people would do, putting out the lights and all that stuff. It was really cool. Were the display cages similar back then? Like, what were they like in the 2003 Hamburg oh, show? So, so it was crazy. So I did my first show in 2006, and I wasn't just going to, like, go out. Because we had... I had a partner back then, that guy who I said I met at the pet store. Me, him, and his brother were all partners. We were actually, it was their name, Sublime Herpeticulture. Um, so we just, they had, a, my buddy had a little bit of everything, but his focus was going to be ball pythons and retics. And he, I had the ball pythons and, and Borneos and Reds. But we only had ball pythons on our table. This was so long ago that we would bring the adult albino ball python, the adult orange ghost, and we would only sell hets because we didn't have any visuals. And I would clean up, at, we would clean up at the shows with selling hats. Wow. So it took forever to find display case, like cases like the acrylics. I went to Habitat Systems, which I have one of their incubators. Their thing I seen, which I don't know how it's so much money. It wouldn't house that many. It was like over $1,000 plus shipping. Oh. So I found um, Doug Barr, who still does them three-tier displays. They're the best ones, but they're more money. They were like, at that time, I think they were like 250 plus shipping a set. So I got two of them. And then I got some Staples lights, and they were never any good. But that's what everybody used. We ran to, like, Staples and made some business cards up. I had my tattoo artist draw up our logo, and we just put it in, like, a picture frame thing. I mean, it was it was the best we could wrestle together, but it was still better than guys that were at the show for, like, five years. So, But, yeah, it was hard to find displays. It isn't like now where everybody has a display, everybody has a rack company. There was, like, three rack companies. One, not one cage company, but I mean to – to someone who wasn't connected on the inside, you had to like search, pay lots of money. Yeah, very few and far between. Now it's, if you want to do a show, I mean, I think like one website could hook you up with everything you need nowadays. Kit. Yeah, I mean, they'll just send in you and they'll like send you instructions. Back then it's like figure it out, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's way different. It's a lot easier. But it's funny that it's as easy as that and you still see the people who like really aren't trying. Because like, it's, it's, it's about putting out money, but like, it's also, like, you know, I was just with Keith McPeak. You've seen what he did. He's real. He's really good with his hands. He, he built that himself. Yeah, he's really good with that. All his cages. You see his incubator. It's beautiful. It's all cleaned up. He's got a light in there. He's just great with all that. But, yeah, just find – everyone's got, like, an uncle or a buddy that can do that. Just give them the measurements and make something up if you need to. Like, it's not that difficult to have somewhat of a presentation at a show for a little bit of money. Right. So what Matt's talking about is Keith McPeak basically made this – like I don't even know how else to describe it. Basically, it was a, like two foot display cages all throughout yeah, in like a cabinet. If you go on my Philly Herp uh, Facebook page, I put a picture of the show of it of uh, on there, and it's it's in one of the pictures. So yeah, and he just did cool setups for the Womas he had, the Amazons, the he had an emerald in there. And I think that makes a huge difference because no one's displaying arboreals correctly like, no, no, at no. any show. So just, it's nice to actually see them where they're. Yeah, there were a lot of be. there were a lot of arboreals at like green trees and emeralds, and they were just all. And I, but I'm you not, see them stuffed into acrylic. Yeah, or, I'm not I'm not really faulting anybody, but yeah, they're yeah. all stuffed into a deli or an acrylic. They're not perching, so it kind of yeah. sucks. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't it doesn't just. I'm not saying for the animals much. It just it doesn't even display them. If you just put an animal right. on a perch, it's it's going to sell, most likely. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it just it just looks a lot better the way it's supposed to. A hundred percent, especially yeah. an emerald or something. And plus, when people are new to that, they just think like, "How do you get it to perch?" It just does it. <laughs> people are probably like, "How do you make it do that?" So, yeah, I was yeah. I always wondered like if you do it with carpets, even like if they throw a perch up on there, they're they're gonna sell real easy. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I was um, talking about Tinley. I guess we should kind of get into that because yeah, we were people were going people were going crazy asking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, you came with us. That's pretty cool. So, so uh, how many years have you been vending Tinley? I got it's either four or five. I think it's four. Um, I'm pretty sure it's four. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, and I went a long time ago just to check it out. Just but so. I can't think of, yeah, I think it's four. <laughs> and now, do you just do every spring, or do you hit the fall one as well? Or, I uh, mean, you do every fall, do, or do you hit the spring? I want to start doing spring eventually. It's a lot, though. I, I just do fall because it's bigger. I hear spring is better for sales. But, so the first thing I did, or I guess we'll say say it was four years ago, <clears throat> I went out there. The first two years, I did one table. I sold nothing, just straight like I did, literal zero dollars. Zero dollars. No, everybody <laughs> came up, thought stuff was cool, checked it out, talked to me for a while. Nothing. Not not a dollar, not a trade, not, just no, n- nothing going on. <clears throat> but I wasn't discouraged because when I when I went home, I still said, we're doing it again next year. It's so much fun. I might as well bring my animals. It's an extra 400 bucks, and you got to drag your animals out there. But so what? I'm going to go anyway. Might as well put them out there. But it is like a, it's like a billboard because I got... For the next three months, I met you at Tinley. I saw your stuff at Tinley, and I got a lot of sales coming home. The next year, I did like 600 bucks. I made my money back on my table, and then some, same thing. Two, three months afterwards, people emailing me. I saw you there. You know, you just get exposure. You show people animals they haven't seen before. A lot of people didn't even know what they were looking at. They just, what are these? Are they ball pythons? Are they boas? What kind of, they thought everything was a blood. Oh, i never seen bloods with crazy orange heads like this, or brown. I'm like, no, they're Borneos. <laughs> So it worked out pretty good, and then the next year got way better. And then, well, no, this I guess this is my fifth year. And then the, the last year was like the best show I've ever had by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really crazy, yeah, by a whole lot. Do you think that there's like something to warming up that particular market and that particular show, like year after year? Do you think it takes a couple years? I don't know because this year wasn't wasn't great for me compared to last year. Um, I mean, a lot of people like the display. They like the animals. Just not a lot of buyers. I just think it's just trends. Like sometimes stuff's hitting or not. Maybe people show up to the show because you know people see the inner circle. You know the Tinley roll calls. Oh, I'm definitely gonna try to make it. Like I know there's a lot of short tail people that were supposed to be there that didn't come. They like drop. They were due to go and they dropped out the last couple of weeks because whatever happened. You know, so. And it's not like they would probably be the ones buying stuff. You actually hope other people do, so you open up new doors for new people. But, um, yeah, I just think, like I said, the, the roll calls, things work. Everybody taking pictures of them getting on the plane. It makes Tinley, like, really pop. And other shows, I think, would do really well. And I, I'm, I'm guilty of it, too, sometimes, just talking shit on a show. We can, yeah, you can curse on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's curse all the time. I listen to you and Owen show. You guys cursed a lot. Um, and you have Evan on here. He curses yeah. all the time. Um, so, yes, I, like I said, it's hard not to talk shit on a show if you think it's bad. And I, don't, I wouldn't false sell a show, but, like, Daytona could be Daytona again if people hyped it up. Daytona roll call, on my way to Daytona, all the, you know, everybody, everybody pretending, uh, you know, obligatory car shot going to everybody, and I didn't even do that this year. Usually I take a picture of the car at Wawa at nighttime because we're leaving, and it, it just didn't happen, but yeah, I mean, it makes people that don't go, like, I miss something, and they, I mean, I think they really did. It's a good show, and even if you don't see animals, like, I, I hyped my one buddy up to come last year, my buddy Mike Kostakis, I think you met him. He's not a big internet guy or anything like that. And I, he, he knows it's a cool show anyway, but 
Two years ago, it was a really impressive show to walk around and see cool animals. Last year, it was kind of a lot of balls and boas, the same old thing. But the hangout was cool, so he came back this year because even if you don't get to see really cool animals, you're talking to breeders, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's just really cool to go to. Is there anything you feel you miss out on by vending and not just going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I kind of... I thought about that, like, maybe one year I won't vend, but then I really feel like you'll feel like you're missing out on vending. Okay. So I went to Daytona this year. I did Daytona. We all good? Yeah. Oh, okay. I did Daytona one time, and, um, like, back in the day, and I didn't know. It was, it was when the, the venue changed. Not the venue, the, the place, actually. It wasn't like Orlando to Daytona. It was... The Daytona Ocean Center became like a real expo center. And the year before, everybody had blood, some short tails, did awesome. And then I vended the next year. I used to go every year just to have fun. Right. And uh, it was my first big show. And I same thing, I did nothing. A lot of good talk, but a lot of other bloods and short tail guys that year didn't do good either. But I just said, it's 15 hours. It's That show was on its downfall. I'm just going to not vend it. And I went up not even going. So this year... I flew down there and hung out with uh, my buddies Dennis McNamara and Chad Hawker, and I was behind their table a lot. And even though it's not as big, people will spend money and they're serious about buying and everything. And I had a lot of fun having no responsibility, <laughs> not driving, not lugging in animals, not being stuck behind the table. But when I was behind the table, when I wa- I walked the show all day, which I don't ever stay at a show all day if I'm not vending. I just a lot of cool conversation, bumping into people I haven't seen, but not having a table, I was like. I, I kind of want to bring animals out. And like me and Eric were even talking, maybe we want to do Daytona. Probably won't happen, but it made me want to vend. Now, when you vend and things aren't going great or it's just slow even. You're like, I want to walk, be able to walk around. I want to be able to walk around. <laughs> but if things are going good, you're like, screw walking around. You know, last year it went really well. I didn't want to walk around at all. I mean, I want to see stuff. So when I had a, like an opportunity, I would like run and I would have people go, tell me what's cool. And point me in a direction because I just want to go and see it. And you, the, the, then you go home and you see all these pictures. Like, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. And, like, and they didn't either. And you miss, Tinley's so big, you miss a lot. I think even people that just walk, they like, I didn't see that. Where was that at? Yeah. You just miss things so much. So big. Yeah, Tinley needs to be like a week. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it needs to be like a three-day show. We kind of made it a week. Yeah, now. yeah. Well, no, some people like made it like till Monday. I mean, there's people renting houses and stuff. We need to like rent a house. And do it, like, real big. The only thing is that you would think that some Daytona would be a better destination for us to do something like that. 100%. But see, the thing about Daytona, so so this year, the, the night crowd at Daytona, everybody was like, not everybody, but everybody was in the main hotel, and it was a big party there. Usually Daytona, when I went, there's so many places to go, you don't see everybody till, like, the end of the night. Or you don't see everybody at all. People just do their own thing. Tinley's cool because there's nothing to do. There's nothing to do. So everybody's stuck at the lobby bar, but it's not a bad thing because it's like one big giant party in the lobby. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's really what it's all about, right, is like the hangout after and hanging out with people that you may not see otherwise. Yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. I mean, that alone makes the show and then going there and talking to people and, yeah, going to di- – I mean, it's funny, the big dinners. I mean, I love doing the big dinners and having everybody there, but – you're only talking to the six people you're near. I mean, everybody, like, we had tables yeah. of, like, 16 where there's people all the way down there. You kind of want to talk to them people, but you're not getting an opportunity <laughs> to talk to them. But everybody goes back to the bar, and then you can, and it's, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, just the opportunity to bump elbows kind of with 
everyone who cares enough to go out to Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, weird question. What percentage of girls to boys do you feel like come up to your table? To my table? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, my my kind of snakes are kind of like more of like a sausage party, but <laughs> but um, looks and no, no but now there's. I feel like the whole hobby is flipping a lot compared to like big shows. I mean, like I said, when I used to go to Daytona when I was younger, just to walk it, it would be pretty rare when you see a couple girls. I mean, literally Daytona, they would have like, they would get like girls from like strip clubs to walk around in bikinis and advertise stuff. Oh and, and they, but they wouldn't be stripping, but like they really would. Yeah. For not like e- either either for the show, like or they, they would just be like handing out cards or something like that. Oh. But besides seeing like a few girls that you didn't see much. Like that was like the biggest group of girls because they'd be walking around like a group of five or something like that. Now you're seeing, I, I think you're seeing a lot more. And there, there are a lot of girls in the short tails. Like uh, April, uh, Justine was behind my table the whole time. She's a good friend. Um, well, I was the only girl behind my table. Uh, besides usually my wife's behind the table, but she's not in the snake, so she doesn't really care. But um, yeah, but uh, walking around the show period, there's just a lot of girls, a lot of them, so. Yeah, there's a lot of gecko girls and bug girls. Yeah, but I feel like the only there's very few breeders. I feel like I can name like three or four girl breeders. Well, I mean, one of the most influential breeders in pythons in general. I mean, Tracy. Tracy Barker. Tracy Barker. Were and she's actually into the snakes that I'm into. Well, I'm into the snakes she's into. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, Kara. um, Kara Norris is huge in the blood python. She's one of the big people in there. that is weird for one of the more intimidating looking pythons and things that you, I wouldn't think girls would be into. There are a good amount of females in short tails. But they're pretty red. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the albinos are just huge. You, you really can't beat them. So, yeah, but they, they, you know, if they act up, they can be intimidating. But I don't know. Girls just seem to have, they like to handle everything. Like me, everyone's like, how does it handle? I handle it for two minutes, check it out, put it in a tub, clean the cage. It's like every time you see a girl on YouTube or on Facebook, they have everything out, you know? Yeah. So I, like, I wondered if, like, my wife was ever into snakes and everything, if she'd be, like, handling everything all the time. But Melissa's <laughs> shaking her head no. Uh, but you're, I'm not, but, but you're, I'm only, like, halfway in. But you're only halfway in. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm I mean. I'm not, like, both feet in. And isn't there a lot of, like, I'm not real big up on YouTube stuff, except for, like, you know, real reptile shows, but isn't there a lot of, like, YouTube girls that are into, like, pets and stuff, showing their pets off? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a big bump in that now. And right? I think... And girls definitely play better on YouTube, so they're probably more likely to stick with it than, of course. than a random yeah. guy. Yeah, you got dudes like me. Like, I, I, I think I want to try to do YouTube someday. I doubt it's ever going to happen, but who wants to see me like bending over my What rod, a cutie patootie. Oh, yeah, well, that's not going to happen either. But, like, yeah, because they, they talk it up and they, they, they Google over stuff. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, this is pretty cool, you know? So, yeah. So what do you, what's the best part about kind of being at a table? Like, what kind of questions do you get and interactions do you get with people? And tell me. Best part and questions, I don't think those are the same thing. Yeah, I didn't want to phrase the question negatively. Well, first, dude, what's the best part? Just when people are interested and they don't know, but they're really interested and they got some info on it. And they start going, oh, okay, cool. And, and, And they actually listen to what you have to say because they trust you, not... 
you know, you give people that go, I read a care sheet, so I know you don't got to tell me. Because yeah. when I sell a snake, even if they just come up and buy, you need information. I, I feel obligated, or I want to, I want to give them information, but sometimes they just want to buy and roll. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I just sold a snake to someone who has no idea what they're doing. It works out pretty good. I've never really had problems. I've only had one problem where someone said something happened and they didn't take care of the snake right. But they asked me information mm -hmm. and they just totally disregarded everything. But um, yeah, it's just when people start saying about lines, like if someone's really into it and you never met them because we have, a, it's, it's a pretty small community. I mean, it's getting bigger. But when you hear someone you've never met or anything start saying, you know, this line, I like this, you know, this color mutation, this, this pattern mutation, you're like, oh, you've been, you've been checking stuff out because it's so rare to hear that with ball pythons or something. Right. You can't be shocked at that. But when someone's like, oh, I like, I like the blue ghost, I like ostlets, I like super stripes, you're like, oh, wow, you've been doing that. Or I like something, you know, Frank Good produced or, uh, you know, the, the animals that Chris Allen Jensen has, they're really cool. And it's like, oh, yeah, you really are looking around. So um, that, that's the cool stuff. The bad stuff is... What ball python mutation is this? Um, th these are just the obvious dumb ones. And I'll get to the ones where they know what the snake is. What boa mutation is? They get more confused for boas than anything else. I, the head, I think, throws, throws people. This is just an odd head. Yeah, they, they have an odd head. Um, so that's always just kind of annoying. I, I, it's kind of my fault because I have to lay. My labels are so long because I got so much going on with mine that I don't put python. So that's probably my own fault. Yeah, I need I need to start doing that. But I did put Python before, and people still just say boas. They don't even pay attention. To, like they can't even take yeah. two seconds to <laughs> so read. One more word. Yeah, and it's not like a, like an old guy they can't see. It's just someone's like cool boas, and I'm like it's Python, you know. But um, so when they do know what it is, just everybody they want to know every single one's temperament before buying, and because they have a bad reputation, they're not the greatest snake in the world. But when they're little, they're all kind of jumpy. Some are bitey. But they're also not a snake, in my opinion, that's something you're going to, like, walk around the house with, handle it for a right. long time. There are plenty of people that say, I watch TV with mine. And I will say, if you put them on, like, your lap and just sit there, they're not really going to do much if they're, if they're pretty decent. But it's not really... I mean, it can be a pet snake if you're going to view it, but so many people want to hold and handle everything. Like, you're not slapping these snakes around your neck very often. They don't feel comfortable in the air. There's not a lot of them. They're heavy-bodied. So they kind of just want to – they're not fast. They're not going to speed away from you, but they kind of move funny. They want to get away from you unless you support their body. And if you ever see one holding one properly, it's not fun for you either. You're like – you're holding it up, and you kind of cradle it. You're cradling it, so it's not like you're holding the snake the way – going around your neck and all that stuff i mean they they can do that but it's not that much fun so people ask that temperaments uh you know so they need tons of humidity right it's like that kind of has been dead for a while i thought people were over that like they got to be like kept pretty much in water although once again babies need to be very hydrated because they don't shed for like two to five months so some people we do put them in water but they don't even ask that. It's not that reason. I'll say, oh, why? Because you see them in water. No, I just heard they're swamp snakes. They need to be kept in water, soaked all the time. My my room's only 55% humidity. And they need 80, right? I'm like, no, you'll be 55 is great. You'll be, they'll love that, you know? So that's always bad. And they kind of argue back and forth with you, even though you have a table full of them. <laughs> they're like, no, but they need 80. I'm like, no, I've kept them at 40, 35, 50. They're all good. So yeah. that's pretty annoying. Now, as far as from 
I guess, can you call them all the short tailed complex or short tail and blood python people complex? People still call them the Curtis complex, even though they're not all Curtis. So it's kind of like a chondro thing. I guess people still say chondro. Yeah. yeah, people will still say the Curtis complex where, oh, that's the other bad thing. Everybody just thinks they're all one. So they see Borneo short tail, yeah. they see blood python, they see, people still call them black blood pythons, which I don't have an issue with, but some people do. It's, they're supposed to be Sumatran short tail pythons. We always call them Sumatran. Yeah, well, no, I, I don't care either way. I like it to be the proper term because people used to call Borneo's Borneo bloods, and that was accepted, but that's like a pet peeve because it's not a Borneo blood. Although I do have to explain stuff when people come up and see Borneos and go, I've never seen these. I said, well, it's like a red blood, but it's not the same species and it's from a different locality. So that's kind of how I say it's kind of the same thing. It's just not the same. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I do a better job. That was kind of, yeah, I do a better job than that. But, yeah, so people just go, so you get this mutation from breeding this and this, and they don't care. Like, why can't I breed this to this? You tell them you can. It's your snake. But, you know, crossing the species is going to make hybrids, and people don't like hybrids. It, and then you get caught in telling them why, and they just disregard what you say. They don't, they don't care. <laughs> Not the conversation I want to have. At, uh, oh, you don't you don't care about this stuff, hybrids and all. No, but I'm saying I wouldn't want to be going back and forth with someone like that at my table. You know, like I would get frustrated at that point and be like, okay, if you don't want it, you can. Like, I'm very you I'm very informative. I talk people out of sales a lot. <laughs> I will because if I don't think they're ready for it, I, I'm not just like I need that money. You know, yeah. or if somebody wants something specific, like they want a certain even a good person, like they want like a line of something or. They're like, well, that's really cool, but I can kind of see them. They're just going to buy reluctantly because they just want to have one. I won't say don't buy it, but I'll just say, why don't you just wait to get what you really want? And I talk myself out of making a $450 sale. <laughs> and then I go, I, you know, I could have hyped up my own project a little bit, <laughs> sold something for someone else real good, but, but I don't want them to have something they don't want. They don't want you know, right. yes. I, I, so it's not just about trying to be honest. I just, I know that's how I am. I'd want, you know, I, I've done that before where I've settled and, like I could have just waited a month, you know. I, yeah. So I, I try not to have people do the same thing. And now, is there one or the other a species that would be a better beginner than others? Out of the three, I would say they're all pretty much the same. But Sumatran short tails—they mm -hmm. seem to be the most docile. They handle mistakes better than the other two. They eat really well. Um, yeah, they breed well. So that that's that would be the snake I think is the best. So why is that one that you don't seem to breed? <laughs> I don't know. There was just something about them. They're just there's not much to them to me. Okay. I think they are awesome, and I'm getting back into them. Yeah. But besides being jet black or black with some chrome heads, it's two looks. I, I'm I'm like a hoarder of I gotta have every look, and it just lost my interest. That's that's kind of it. But I get so many requests, and I do when you don't have them for years and years, you do start going. That'd be cool. I got, I got space for that. Back when I was in my old house, I needed every drawer space I had for everything. Now I got a little mm -hmm. bit more room, so I could, I could definitely take in two of them. <laughs> I could see where that would, that kind of completes your puzzle, and everyone probably asks you for them all the time because they assume that you work with them if you're working with Borneos and Bloods. Yeah, the worst is when they come up all excited, and that's all they want it. They're like, oh, you don't got them? That's the only one I want it. I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you don't want to check out anything else you know but um yeah that's that kind of sucks i mean at this point though as far as looks go you have borneos that look like red blood morphs and stuff like, like you have things that look totally out of the norm by this point like where'd you start and were you starting with wild caught animals and where do some of those mutations come from 
Yeah, so when I started, I just got anything. <laughs> I was just like jumping in anything, and I wound up keep, keeping a lot. Um, then when I got a little bit brighter and more patient and smarter, I started dialing in and getting the looks I wanted. But I had a few, like a few wild-caught animals that were long-time captive, so they weren't crazy difficult to calm down. They were already eating. They didn't have mites. I never really had a mite problem ever with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first thing I really started liking was Super Stripes, from they were like VPI's line, they were just out of reach. <laughs> they were five grand at the time, mm-hmm. and that wasn't happening. I didn't even think to spend that kind of money. Plus, I wasn't confident with them. Ball pythons, I was a lot more confident with. I didn't. I was like, I'm not going to drop a lot of money on something I'm not confident with. So, Marvels was the next best thing to me, and they were, they were between the two hundred dollar and four hundred dollar range when I was buying them. Some people had them for six still, and they weren't nice looking. I don't know why they were still so much money. Well, that doesn't seem to have dropped really at all. No, that's the good thing about Borneos in general. Like, obviously, Super Stripes have dropped. I'll, I'll touch on that before. But yeah, Marbles, I think Marbles started out when they first were being sold. I should ask Keith. I never even knew what the beginning price was. But when I first started coming to the show, some people would have them for 6 and 650 But I came, I came across Mike Estacos is where I got all my original stuff from, which he had stuff from Keith's original stuff. So he's worked with the original line, and he had nice ones. For two, all the way up to like three seventy five, and I was buying like the I felt a little confident. I was buying like the three seventy five dollar one, three hundred seventy five dollar ones at every Hamburg. I was like, well, I can get another one. You know, one had a darker look, one had a different mm-hmm. look. So I started buying them for little looks before I knew like how good selectively breeding them would be. Like, if they had a weird thing on their tail that like faded out and like broke, like. That came out in breeding later, which was crazy to me because at the time I was more focused on ball python breeding where it's just like, get an orange ghost. I want more orange ghosts. There's no... <laughs> There's not read. a very big spectrum of No, it. no. But when you would see like the some of the things I was like, I bought this animal because of the neck. Like the neck had speckling and little lines through it. And you reproduce it and you would see that right away. And then you would, you know, bring it back to like a... a a sibling or an adult and it would be even more drastic i was like this is really crazy you know you can really go somewhere with this so um that's just what i started doing and then i you know as i got more confident i started spending more and more money on them and that's how i built my collection and then i got lucky and hatched my own line uh, i got lucky and got my own line of stripe because it was unknown and hatched them and then i got lucky with the oslets by getting a different unknown line of stripes and when I bred the sibs together, out came like oslets and white walls. So. And do those kind of act in an incomplete dominant matter, anything like that, or is it just all? Well, over? Borneos like their genetics are all over the place. Um, the way I like to put them is like an incomplete dominant going crazy, like they just never stop. <laughs> Not correct. I mean, most people say polygenic. I don't even know like what people really put it put it down as. I mean, Tracy and Dave Barker put stuff down. I, I, I've never got to talk to Tracy about like Borneo genetics or I barely got to talk to her. I would like to sit down and have a conversation, see what she thinks. But Keith McPeak would either be an even better person to talk to or the next best thing. And Keith is like family and I've talked to him. And I remember back in Daytona when I barely know him, see all these cool like ghost Borneos and, and stuff like that. That was his like line that he got ones out the wild, started producing them. And he had so many different looks even early on. And I would say like, I like this look. Like, what two do I got to buy to start getting this look? And he would kind of look at me, shrug his shoulders, and I would just think, he just wants me to, like, learn on my own. But then he would start talking to me and go, you know, it's, you're going to get some from this and some from that, but there's no way to be sure, but you're most likely going to get cool stuff. 
And then I started finding out, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And then I'm the guy that does the same thing at the table, like not even copying off. I'm just going, I can just tell you're going to get cool stuff. And that really either sparks somebody's interest or gets them to run in any other direction. And then you never see them again. Like they, they had so much hope for Borneos. And when you can't tell them it's a dominant, an incomplete dominant or recessive, and you know what they're going to get, you just see like all the hope fall out of them. And they're like, but not in a bad way. They're like, Okay, you, I think they think you're talking shit. <laughs> like, or, you, you don't know, yeah. or you're being a dick, and but you don't see them again, because I guess they talk to another guy, and the same thing happens. Well, people, I think, get... Everything needs to be one plus one equals two. If you're going to make an investment and make your money back, they don't want to hear, hey, man, just breed something weird to something weird, and then you will get something weird. Yeah, and that's the sucky part about... Borneos is like you kind of you don't got to be on the inside track but you got to pay attention to have any faith to spend money I think which is unfortunate but okay sorry I didn't mean to cut you That's off fine. you don't have to pass it to me immediately hold on can I, can I but... open this beer yeah, yeah go for it I don't want to put the mic down oh you're fine we do it um so I just wanted to read some comments and questions from the chat and catch us up okay well Brandon our friend Brandon says that Pumpkin head Sumatrans are awesome. What do you think of it? He said the contrast of some of them was just stunning. They are, and they're a smaller species than the others. They, <clears throat> they're still classified as uh, Curtis, along with the kind of Sumatran short tail you have, like mm-hmm. the real dark ones. But I would say it's safe to, they're, they're definitely different. It's safe to say they're very different because you're kind of Sumatran. Yeah. will lay smaller eggs okay. in bigger numbers, and they get bigger. The pumpkin heads, for the most part, stay a lot smaller and they lay big eggs. Gotcha. So it's been talked about that they're going to get broken down into either a subspecies or different uh, species. And it's weird because there's so many problems with hybrids and short tails, but people just seem on their own to keep them separate. As far as I know, I'm not as plugged into the okay. Sumatran world as, as other people are, but they are very cool. That's the first Sumatrans I had a long time ago. Really? Yeah, and I, I liked them. I got them from uh, Nerd. I was when I first got in Kara. We went up there, and Kara hooked me up with a pair of them, and I liked them. I had them for a while. It was before I could breed real good, and I just needed room, so I sold them. And I kind of regret it because they were they were actually really cool looking. You kind of see a that lot. That gives of the you same. more than the jet black, like the. It does, Sinatra. but they also look very similar to Borneos. So it's hard for me to really because <laughs> I think Borneos look so much better than them. So it's hard for me to really like. Once again, I'll have a 1.2 or, or 1.1 be happy. So I don't need, they have a caramel uh, yeah. albino mutation, but I don't, I, I don't like the caramel albino. It yeah. looks nice and all, there's nothing wrong with it. I just like the, the, the normal form better. Oh, okay. And that was one thing that I saw at the show, which I asked you about them, but the sunset Borneo, I think uh, it is. Yeah. Um, is that something that's new? And is it something that is produced like incomplete dominant more so? I believe, yeah, I believe all of them so far are recessive. Um, that the the name, sunset name is very new, but that mutation has been around for a little while now. Um, basically, everybody's calling it the T positive. It's a couple of years it's been around, and and the guy Tim Mead actually produced produced them from some wild caught stuff that Ben Siegel bought in. And I actually had an opportunity to work with him, but I didn't have that kind of money, and I just didn't I didn't see much in them. I'm not. I know people could probably be like, oh, you're hating. And I'm, I'm not hating. I just don't see what they'll add to Borneos. They look just like Carmel Sumatra. And, and the big thing at first was people were on the fence, whether it's a hybrid or what is it. I think it's pretty clear now that they are Borneos because there's a lot in Indo popping up. And I see some nice ones. But in general, I just, 
I don't have to be the guy to be on the forefront of that. I'll let people come along and maybe it'll, something will look really cool and I'll have to have some where when the price drops, I'll want some. But for now, I just, there's, they don't do anything for me really. Yeah, nothing much. <laughs> Didn't let me finish all of them. I read one. Um, our friend James asked if you guys saw any sand boas. I know it's kind of totally off topic, but he asked if you saw any sand boas at Tinley. Yes, saw some sambos. There's, I mean, there's quite a few mutations and all of that. And there was, um, what is it, the rough, yeah. what is that, refusions or whatever the I hell think that, so, yeah, that was like a big talk. <laughs> yeah, but I don't really know as far as sambos. I don't pay attention yeah, to that. Yeah, they asked Kim. I barely got to walk the show. And, and when I did walk it, I kind of like beelined the stuff that I thought was cool over and over again. Yeah, I don't know if you have the, the same thing, but it's kind of like you hit a table and you're like, oh, that's stuff that I probably don't like, so you kind of scoot along without probably looking at enough stuff. It, it does think because like we were talking about that. If you see too much of something that you have no interest in, you kind of walk by it, even though if it was at a smaller show, you would look at it. And then that's the table where sprinkled in is something like you really want to see or you might want. Because it happened last year where I was like, where was that at? And they were like, it was on this guy's table. There was a bunch of boas, and then there was one rack of, of this animal. I'm like, oh, it's impossible to see that unless you're, you're just looking around. Like I said, you got to kind of like highlight it with neon signs, like pointing down, like we have these. <laughs> yeah. But the people that usually have that don't have any idea that it's going to be like a show attraction. Or right. I think it's a show attraction, but like 10 people want it. So it's a show attraction to me. I think like it should be blown out. Like, oh, you should let people know you have that. So, yeah. I think that kind of happened with the what you got, the corn snake you got. Really, I mean, it was the thing where the guy was like, oh, I just bred these two together. I've had them for so long. But to you, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is one thing I really have to get. Yeah, I think there's – Tinley gives you an opportunity to, like, show off everything you have. And then there's just randomly – I mean, people that we wouldn't usually get exposure to. I mean, there's so many people who do Tinley from all over the place. So it's like you got to see all the biggest corn breeders in the world, probably all the biggest short tail breeders, all that stuff. At yeah, least we're there in person, if not. I, I think for people to think anymore, it's not important to attend the show or vend the show because the online is so good. I mean, like you open up Facebook or Instagram, it's a reptile show every day. But there are people that don't care about the Internet, that yeah. breed and buy. So you do learn a lot of new stuff. And some people just bring stuff that they don't have any interest on putting online or they don't think anyone cares about it. And that's how you find some of this stuff that's amazing. So I do think people need to come out and check out a show and talk to some people and get out from behind the, the keyboard once in a while. It's, it's a little bit, it's just becoming a little much. Like I know people that just don't, they used to love shows and they don't sell snakes mm -hmm. at shows at all anymore. And I know like it's discouraging if you're in a bad area and you go, to three different Repticons and it's just crap. I mean, that is hard, but instead of doing three Repticons, get it together and save up for one big, for one. One big one. Try it out because it's, it's a lot more fun. And like I said, even if you don't, like Daytona, I don't think I was seasoned enough to handle spending all that money, coming all that way with my snakes and not making money. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a lot of good conversation. And it was a time when I think it was like Japanese buyers were coming. And they wanted colubrids. And these guys, and the guy next to me had colubrids. I don't even know what he had. But they just come with wads of cash. And they don't speak English. They just point and buy. And when you're not selling anything, that just, like, murders you. You're just like, 
And it's not because it's like, oh, I need to go buy a new car. It's just like, I would buy so much from this show if that was that guy dropping money. Like, the, show, the money probably wouldn't even leave the show. I would just go over go to over. this guy's table, and I would be like, hey, let's go. Let's buy this and buy that. <laughs> but now, like I said, I've struck out. I didn't do well. And I'm still going to just keep coming back because it's just a lot of fun. Might as well bring my animals out, show them off, be there behind my table. It does suck because I do get to miss a lot of the show, and I don't get to talk to as many people. And when some people are just vending, like Matt Turner, I would love to talk to him, but he brings his family. He doesn't really come to Bananas. I want to like hang with him. I'm not going to get that opportunity. Bananas is the bar, by the bananas way. Bananas is the bar. The it's not like a dude strip club or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's not a ball python club. Um, yeah, Bananas is the, is the hotel bar where everybody... It's a small little bar that sells like chicken fingers. And we all go there and drink and, and no one... It only people, takes like 45 minutes to get a beer too. It does. They, they, they're smart. After Year after year, there's a million people that load this tiny hotel bar and they staff two girls and one of them's like never bartended before. They're a little past prime. Yeah, yeah they, one of them's like never bartended before. So I, I wonder what other expos do. Like other expos got to hit that bar or, yeah. or they just don't hang out with each other. I don't know. If you have like a boat show, people just go back to their room because they're rich, I guess. <laughs> why, would I, nice. why would I talk to another guy that sells boats or something? I don't know. I feel like someone needs to call like a week before and be like, can you please schedule three people on your shift for this day? People, I think people have said stuff. So <laughs> really? Yeah, because last year I think there was three and it was still just, I mean, they just walked by you. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. There's so much. Yeah. There was a point where uh, my, my friend Dave Levinson wanted a Long Island and he just got a picture of it. <laughs> I was sharing it with everybody and drinking it. And it's like, how much does a picture of Long Island Ice Tea go? And how drunk does that get you, you know? So, yeah. Tilly doesn't come in that unit of measurement. Yeah, pretty much. Um, okay, next. Darren Watson um, wanted to know. So he said he feels like there are less teen eggs out there, but they're awesome looking snakes. And do you feel the same? I actually do feel the same. Um, there's not a lot of people that are breeders that are producing them, that are like known breeders. Some are, but they're doing a clutch, so I guess they go fast. But a lot of them are coming out of wholesalers in Florida, and then people get them and then resell them. It's, it's not a terrible thing because the wholesaler that I know has them in Florida, which is, is uh, I believe, Cryptic Creation. They breed nice ones. But it's just like everybody gets them out and they breed them, but I think they so heavily bred them that such a pretty snake and they're like 250 350 i don't even know the price but i don't think they're more than 350 dollars. and you never not that there isn't i used to see hats you never see hats it's not because they don't exist that's not any reason it's just like you never see hats it's weird unless a, a breeder has my had hats i had double hats before and nobody wanted them so i mean they were ugly but yeah i had double hat for t positive and t negative i tried to do them together i was one of the i wasn't the first is that frowned just, upon in that or what is the end result well, no one did it. At the same year, I think Matt Turner actually did it and someone else, and I was like third on the list. But we just wanted to see what happened. Nothing. Just a bunch, really just a <laughs> bunch of ugly hats. That's what happened. I think T-negatives as of right now produce very ugly hats. Like they don't look well, so maybe they're good. They're not attractive, so maybe that's why they don't you don't see them. Probably just sold out as normal. So. My wife would kill me. I'm like, we're talking. It's like, her, it's like her new pet peeve after watching this John Mulaney comedy thing. Because he says he's a grown man, but he still burp talks, and I'm doing that. So I got to stop. Not nearly as bad as some other people. Yeah, but I'm oh, drinking, yeah. so it's making me burp, and I'm trying to fin finish sentences. It's not good. So, as whoa, did you guys see any nice scrubs? 
I didn't see any scrubs at the show. I didn't see any. I didn't see any. I didn't see there any was any. the Exanthic Timor. Yeah, I didn't see any even like pictures good. either. Like Ian Bissell takes a lot of pictures. I didn't see any scrubs. He would have been on to that. Show shocked. I'm sh- I was show shocked myself. <laughs> so shocked. We would see scrubs at little like. Well, yeah, because Bob Bob Clark was would be there with like no, one random. Like, but you would see them because they were. Maybe imported or something. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of. This is mostly captive breeders, so you're sure. not Why seeing much. It? Yeah. Or, or if someone had them, they're gone already. You know, that's the other thing. So. Speaking of which, obviously there's a big difference, especially when you talk to green tree people, about U.S. captive born and bred and imports. <laughs> yeah. uh, how does that play out in bloods born here? Because obviously those are really readily imported as well. Yeah, you still see some. It's it's few and far between. You can't really tell if they're just garbage ones or not. But yeah, it's it's not as much. Or you just see that it's a wholesale table. I don't know. You don't come across wilds as much, or I don't see them. Maybe in Florida. You well, know. at least uh, not imported babies from Bushmaster babies or anything like that. No, not as much anymore. Like even when Bushmaster has stuff, it's not regular reds. They're they're importing stuff from the farm, so most of it. As far as I know, is bred. You know, if you see a batik or a golden eye, it's it came out of the farm and it was probably bred where or they captured some. But you don't really see. It's not like ball pythons where it's like check out these reds, look for dinkers and and all that. Yeah, Borneo's never. I mean, really? starting to see them with the uprise of like, maybe that's the only cool thing that the sunset and and the T positive will bring is people will start bringing Borneos over because I'm on an Indo forum that's just, it's called the Pong Lover, which is like some kind of blood python Borneo short tail thing for Indo. And you see a lot of really cool Borneos over there that aren't T positive albinos and them looks are not here yet. They're not mm-hmm. at all. And you, you get on there and you start talking to them and you have ways to get them, but you got to get them over and that's the impossible part because <laughs> they're like, I'll sell them to you. And it's like, okay, yeah. It's like, first you got to find someone to get them here. And then you're like, well, where do you live in Indo? And, and they got to find a person that would send them. So it's. But there's actually people working with projects over there. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, there's a guy, Lucky, who has a lot of cool stuff. And he PMs me a lot with awesome pictures of stuff where he's like, what do you, what mutation do you think this is? And I'm like, something new. <laughs> it's, you, got, you got something. Yeah, because he always seems to think maybe it's like did you see this before? And I'm always like, no, you got something amazing. Like it's not anything that's over here. And he seems like a real good guy. So, um, he seems to really be working with stuff. Hopefully he produces a lot more. He just, so Michael Cole is the one I think that produced the sunset Borneos. And he, I guess Michael Cole didn't even know. I don't know if he pays attention much to the short tail world. I'm sure he does not, but lucky at the same time was hatching, but his, like his T positives too. So it was like the same thing coming out of the egg. Really, and mm-hmm. that that derived though from uh from an import that gene sunset. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've seen, I mean, you looked at them. I don't know if you look close, but yeah, the two bigger sunsets on the table at Tenley, the one had a big scar on it. That male that was like, I think it was a male, was like striking like crazy, really, like real nasty. Yeah, and then there was a, there was a pair of captive bred ones, that I believe was from Michael Cole, and I think the the wild caught ones were were from him too. I guess they were just extra, but yeah, it was like one popped up. Two popped up, and then like in Indo, some of these guys that are keeping have a ton of them. So they're yeah. they, they're either being found all the time, or someone's producing them. But sorry, yeah, I don't I know can't. what they look like, and I was trying to find a picture, and I'm failing. Yeah, I don't see any up there. Yeah, they're not. Okay. Now, I mean, market they're, they're obviously, new. like you've hit on a few times, the market for short tails. It seemed like people are kind of looking for them now more so than they were 
beforehand? I mean, have you seen any excess people in it or any more people in it? What's the market like? Well, for Borneo's, not as crazy, which I'm happy about. I kind of want Borneo's to stay very pure to the, like, I want new people in, but very pure to the keepers that really appreciate them. Reds have the mutations that are dominant, incomplete, dominant, recessive. And you're seeing, like, that was one of the things I didn't like seeing at Daytona. I seen a lot of just straight up ball python guys with a lot of blood not a lot but they would so you know they had the three tier displays like everybody has and then one whole tier or one whole level was dedicated to like golden eyes and batiks it was all golden eyes and batiks like that's the big draw where golden eye matrix is a 007 because they're very patternless they're cool looking and for some reason most golden eyes are like very docile like that mutation just makes snakes yeah so it's probably easy to digest for a ball python guy and they're valuable. That helps and they're, valu- they're valuable, but they're, their value is going down a lot. It shouldn't be down this far. Like, at one point, I was talking with other breeders of it, uh, you know, Matt Turner and Nick Bottini, and we all agreed there's not that many people doing them for the, they, you know, the, for one year, they came down a lot. I'm like, at that time, there was maybe 100 out there, and the price difference was like crazy, and it was just people just dropping them out, but now... And that, that allowed everybody to get their hands on them that year. And there was enough time to where you're seeing everybody pop up with them. And I'm not a guy that likes to have a false market on stuff. Like, I mean, if, it, if it's so many, the demand is, is high and you got to make stuff cheaper. You can't keep stuff expensive forever if there's so many on the table. But I just feel like that dropped extremely fast, which allowed it to get into a lot of people's hands, which is just scary for people that really like reds because – and I'm not trying to trash talk ball people. <laughs> there's a lot of good ball python guys, but there's a lot of crazy ones too, and the customers are crazy. And <clears throat> I don't know, some people people want to make Super Bowls. That's the hybrid. <laughs> it's not the worst thing in the world, but I mean, how many of them are we going to see from people if, they, if they're successful? And I just worry that they're not going to care about the three separate species. They're going to just go, well... There's only so many red morphs, and you can make them cooler, but usually ball python people don't care to selectively breed as much as, as, as other breeders do. So I'm just afraid they're just going to start mixing stuff to see what comes out, and then that's going to start chaos. And it was, I just don't want it to happen, you know? You want it to be a little bit more established. I, I, I prefer kinda. it to be a little bit more ni- like niche hobby or, you know, that way, but it's going to get bigger. You can't do anything about it. I would never be like a dick and say, I'm not selling to you because you're in the ball. Like I said, <laughs> I don't want people to come across thinking I think all ball python people are assholes. I, I, there's just some of them are, you know, but there's a lot of blood python people that are assholes. You know, there's a, every species or community has their assholes and people that don't care what people think. So it's just that with ball pythons, it's such a huge number of people and you just never know what they're going <laughs> to You just never know what they're going to do. And, and there is a pied blood out there. That everybody's waiting to spring up and people were really excited and it looks gorgeous and when it's put the stuff it's going to look awesome but as soon as i seen it i was just like that's going to be a nightmare because that's just going to bring in so many people it's just weird to hear so many people like call bloods or, or anything investment animals and that's that's mm-hmm. an investment animal and people like the first people that will have it probably won't be blood people unless like tracy barker buys it because she has enough stuff to just trade or you know whatever it's like the first person that's going to be working with it, I feel like, is going to be a ball python person. It's not going to do it justice. They might do it justice, but it's just going to be, it's just going to be odd if that's the case. You know what I mean? Because I think one of these Florida people got it. It's going to get released, and I think it's going to be huge money, huge money. And it's, 
you know, the people that I know that are serious about it, just they're not going to, they don't drop that kind of money on snakes. So it's going to go. So you're not, even though it would benefit you, you're not the whole like, oh, they're going to be the next ball python short tails. Or yeah, like there, there was a time in my life when I was breeding and seeing the uprise of everything like, oh man, maybe someday I'll just sell snakes and I'll have a lot of money. But that was when I was a lot younger, a lot dumber. And I wouldn't even want that burden of seeing what some of these big breeders go through. It seems... Like it could be fun, but it also seems like a nightmare. I would never want, and, and being a small personal breeder that does it full time, that's even scarier to me. Really? Like a hundred percent. Yeah. Because I sell these snakes for fun. Once in a while I could use money or like the money for like, I got a house project, my car's broken down, you know, that kind of thing. But I never need the money. I don't have to sell a snake to put food on my table or pay my electric bill. When it comes time for that, that's, that's scary because most private breeders have a lot of pride and they care about it. And then all of a sudden you got to start saying like, like the hell with that. Like I got to sell the snake cause I need food. I need this. I just don't want to be that guy. That's that, that doesn't sound fun to me. And I understand why people do it, but it sounds scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for me. Is there anyone doing just short tails full time? I mean, especially your pretty specific Borneos and obviously well, reds too. Nick but... Bottini is one that just does bloods short tail some like Borneo Sumatrans and he's like a private breeder he seems to be doing well I think he's got I think he had a good like everything in place for him so and he's he's smart with with how he does business so I think he's fine mm-hmm. still I'm like man Nick's crazy <laughs> I mean good for him I'm glad someone took that leap to see how it goes and I I think he's doing well and I hope he continues to do well but for me, it would just be scary, you know, and he doesn't even have other species. I mean, he's specifically mm-hmm. doing that. But I mean, when you see his stuff, if you're looking for like his main focus is reds. I mean, if you're looking for a red mutation, he has crazy stuff. He has his own line of stripe. So he's and he's really well known. So he, he can he can handle that, I think. So mm-hmm. and like I said, he I just think he probably has his stuff down. He's not looking for like Lamborghinis or, or anything crazy <laughs> out of his means. So he, he's he'll be fine, I, I believe. And now. <laughs> Do you, what's your ultimate goal then if you don't want to be full time? Just keep breeding nice stuff. I mean, if I retired or I, if I got like a chunk of change or something really went well for me, I could do it then if I had like a, like a, a good head start. Cushion. Yeah. yeah. And then I wouldn't care because that would be amazing. I would love to just sit in my base. I mean, man, my, my room already looks pretty crazy. I would have every water bowl would be to the left and, and it would, every day it would be like the same and I would have my label so perfect and all the, I would go back to keeping records. Like I can't keep records anymore because I used to keep records of everything. Like, cause they go to the bathroom once every they like at least adults, they used to go to the bathroom once every two to like eight months. I had one not go for 13 months, which is kind of concerning. That's not a normal thing. Normal is like four to six months for adults. But so, you, so you, you want to take a record of when they go to the bathroom and stuff like that. I, you know, what they ate, if they skipped a meal. Bre- uh, only thing I keep records of now is what mail I put to what female and how many, like, tie-ups and when she ovulated, when the eggs are hatched, and take pictures. Like, I keep records in that way. Like, I, I want to do lineage things, but I, I got so behind on all that. Like, I got all the info, and I was working on iHerp, and I was getting, like, everything down. And then I just fell off. Like, I think I ended at like 2016 from working back to like 2010. I still got to go back. And now it's like so much more to do now again. But, but yeah, if I did record keeping now, 
just record keeping alone would tie me up in my basement for like an hour and a half. And right. I need an hour and a half to clean because that's, I don't even get an hour and a half a day. I hit it hard on the weekends now. So yeah, I can't, I can't like keep track of when they go to the bathroom and shed and everything like that. It's too much. Definitely. Um, okay. Some more things from the chat. Brandon Wheeler says, uh, Matt has bought ball pythons. Don't let him fool you. I do. I, I said I do. <laughs> Brandon was down. He was down in the basement. He's seen them. I do. I have, a, I have one rack and I have nine of them still. And I, I plan on probably getting a couple more. Hopefully not buying them, like trading for them or making Maybe them. So. No, I don't want any. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, that's what I mean. I, I don't, people seem to take it out on the snake. They are kind of a boring snake. They're not great, but for the look of them, they're awesome. I mean, they have every different paint job. It's a good size snake. It eats, you know, most people like to see like something eat. It can eat a medium rat. It can eat a large if you want to give it a large, but it's just people ruin stuff sometimes, you know, that's, that's what it becomes. <laughs> and I mean, just when you do reptiles, that's all you see. It's yeah. I mean, look, if you like, I'm not even a big music guy, but if you like music and you like something different than top 40, top 40 just gets on your nerves so bad. It didn't do anything to you, but you're just like, <laughs> seriously, like you like this song and it's, you have nothing against it. You might even actually bop your head to it, but it's just like, oh yeah. You listen to Katy Perry or whatever it is. Like, you know what I mean? Nickelback. Really? Like, yeah. <laughs> I know people that like Nickelback. I love Nickelback. <laughs> Joe makes fun of me every time it comes on the radio, but but the thing is, everyone shits on Nickelback, but we all know the words. I don't know the words. Well, I don't. most people our age know the words. I like death metal, hardcore, and hip hop, so I don't know Nickelback. When it comes on, you shit on Joe shits on it, but you know the words. My like. my one buddy likes Nickelback, and I thought I was making fun of him, but I was making fun of a puddle of mud song. That's how much I know. It. So <clears throat> it's the same thing, right? There you go. So. He was like, that's not even Nickelback. And my one buddy's like, that's part of the mud. I'm like, oh, all right. I don't know. Um, okay. Darren asks, what percentage of the items that you produce? Wait, hold on. Okay. <laughs> it's just like it says Riley. Riley he said, fuck Nickelback. <laughs> okay. What percentage of produced items that is up for sale do you not sell? So Does how many snakes do you produce that you don't sell? This is probably, someone probably knows me. So I'm a holdback monster. Like I like so many different looks and that's how I, for people that like to like say like, oh, you hold back too much. That's how I achieved so many looks and everything I really wanted. I just yeah. didn't, didn't sell stuff and I'll hold back multiple males. Like I do my holdbacks before I sex them. So I just go, so if I have seven holdbacks and it's a 6.1, that's what's held back. Really? And that's I, weird. <laughs> and, then I, and then I will add a female or two. What, what usually does happen, so I give it a year. I get a year, year and a half to stare at it. Some stuff doesn't pan out exactly the way I want it. Some stuff looks amazing the way I wanted it to, but I'm like, I just got too many. So then one gets sold or two gets sold. But most of the time, I mean, if you go in my basement, like I said, I redid my labels and dots. So now I have, it helped me realize how many males I have. So, you know, blue dots are males, pink dots are females. And I'm like looking at racks and I'm like, damn, that's a rack of 10 and that's eight males in that rack. I'm like, I'm screwing up. But at the same time, it keeps me from, when I breed a lot, and like I said, if I made like 100, 110 Borneos, it's not because I want to do 110 Borneos. Trust me, I don't want to be selling 110 Borneos or I'll hold back 40. So I don't want to be selling, you know, 70 Borneos. I just, I love breeding them. I love the surprise of it because it's all coming out so different. So, hold on. Burps. <laughs> so it's like you don't want to breed the same thing in Sumatrans over and over again, but Borneos, 
you basically never exactly have the same thing. And you could do this is the crazy part about Borneo is you you like I used to hear Eric talk about like never repeat breeding. And I'm not a carpet guy, so I don't. He's like, oh, you know, you do one breeding and then you never do it again. You can't do that with Borneos. You have to do two to three breedings because there's times where I had this pair and I was like, this is going to make amazing stuff. And you breed it the first time and everything's cool, but not what you thought it would be. So you repeat it the next year and you get around the same amount of babies and totally different, like out of this world stuff. And the same thing happens vice versa, out of this world stuff. You breed it again and it's kind of mediocre, not mediocre, but like, Mediocre compared to what you thought it would be. Yeah. You just didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> There's Dixie. <laughs> and now with like the marble stuff, though, you've gotten to a certain point. I mean, they're just fucking crazy. Like, but what is an extreme marble and what's a regular marble? So I didn't even realize it's like Keith, like I said, originated the marble. He bought it in and, and worked on it and he was blown away the most. Because it was like a, a look he was trying to achieve and, and different stuff. So he'd always be like, your marbles are crazy, you know. And, and Mike Estacos, too. Yeah, you, you have such nice marbles, and it's my stock. And he, Mike has great marbles, too. He just doesn't show them a lot. But um, I would just breed them and breed them and breed them and keep bringing them further. I would breed the best holdbacks. I would go out and buy new ones so I wouldn't, you know, cross the bloodlines too much. And then I realized, like, after I got them, when people started asking me, I'm like, that's like an 11-year project. So it took me, like, I think the first one, I think, came out as, like, a 9- or 10-year project to hit the extreme marble. But it's just from selectively breeding, just bringing them along, seeing stuff in them, and just keep going. I, there is some genetic stripe in there. It's not, like, a secret. <laughs> some people are like, oh, there's genetic stripe in there? I'm like, yeah, I bred some genetic stripe marbles, but it's a very small percentage. But it's just the marbles, because uh, Mike Estacos this year, like I said, I got my line from him. He bred some really nice holdbacks, and he has pretty much extreme marbles from what I saw. So mm-hmm. it's just keeping back the best stuff and taking them along and breeding them and, you know. Will you do a mix match, though? Like, randomly do an extreme marble to a genetic straight or whatever? Yeah, well, I, I am going to start. I'm, I'm getting very – I needed to up my stock. I kind of ran into – keeping too much of my own stuff back. I, mean, I have a lot of marbles to breed to oscillates, a lot of super stripes to breed to stuff that doesn't have oscillate stuff in it. But I'm at the point where I don't want to keep line breeding everything because, you you know, two type line, line bred from the same siblings and mom and dad, you're going to get some wonky stuff. I don't want to run into them problems. That happens. You know, it's not the... It's not the worst thing in the world if you stop there. Mm. <laughs> Some people don't stop there. Do you keep, know what generation it happens and what are kind of signs of inbreeding? No. I mean, signs of, of inbreeding, you'll see heads get shorter. Um, you'll see it's – yeah, you'll just – you'll see just different stuff. It's mostly the head. The head will get shorter, smaller. I, like I noticed on my Oslic Ghost, the eyes are a little smaller, but I've seen other – Borneo stuff that's not like tightly line bred with smaller eyes and then actually like April pointed it out at the show and I was like yeah I kind of noticed that but when you looked at yearlings like a, a marble to the yearling of the same pairing I did the eyes were the same size so I don't know if it took time for them to catch up but uh yeah just I guess stuff like that I mean eventually you start noticing it kinking tons of like they won't even hold a meal down at all they'll just regurgitate right away stuff like that yeah mm-hmm. now is breeding difficult? How difficult are they to breed? How many females do you have up to size? How many usually go every year? So I probably have I probably have like 30 females up to size for Borneos. I'll just keep it on Borneos. Um, and out of them 30, 
I picked like 12 or 14. And, and out of the 30, I should say, some are smaller or younger, so it's easier to just go, I don't got to breed them, or I want to breed them and leave the old girls alone. Because they do breed pretty good at three and smaller for me now. So I'll, 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 I'll narrow it down to like 14 or 12, make it like 12 or 10. And then if stuff's not going well with one, like they're just not connecting, I'll, I'll, I'll take it down to like nine or eight. And that's kind of how I roll with it. But I would just love to breed all 30. <laughs> but it would be a nightmare. I would be like up to my, I would just, it would be real bad. It would just be not fun at all for me. So do you want to <clears throat> though, give them a year off or take a year off if they don't recover? Or I, what are you looking for? I give them a year off if they don't recover or I just don't care to breed them that year. Otherwise I've bred some, I have a 2003 marble that since she was able to breed has never had a year off. She one year didn't breed for me. And every single year she's given me good eggs, like not even like a lot of slugs at all, like a slug or two here or there. But she went from like her first year, I used to make my bloods and Borneos real big. Her first year was like 25 eggs, which is a good effort even for a big, big Borneo. And I had years where it was like 29, 32, and now she's now Shit. down to like 17. And I get like a slug or like 15 and I get like three slugs, but she still gives me good eggs. So, yeah. and I never give her off and she always bounces back. She's always big and heavy. So tame. This is one I've just never had a problem with. And I do that with other ones too. They just, you know, some people see it's like, it's, it's not good, but I mean, in the wild, not that I'm like a big wild component, like where people are like, whatever, but in the wild, did they get to say no? It's not like, no, she got used up last year. I'm out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm pretty sure they're dropping clutches all day, every day in the wild. So I'm not a guy that would ever double clutch. And I know people have done that with really? Borneos. Yeah, I mean, that didn't go over well <laughs> online. But um, yeah, people have double clutch these things. I mean, do they lose a bunch of weight when they have clutches? Can you tell? Yeah. I mean, they look like flat tires for them not all the time sometimes i mean they're just depleted but especially when they're giving them big efforts at like 29 even if they're big i mean mm -hmm. when they so i wash them off and when you wash them they'll like flatten out i mean they flatten out to like like that i mean it's just Whoa. fine it's really crazy for you. i don't not over, i'm not like over exaggerating they're so like that's flat. like if no one could see that's like two yeah, inches yeah, or flat. two and a half like, inches like that. for a snake that's usually you know yeah giant big yeah <laughs> bigger, bigger than a can yeah <laughs> That's wild. So, yeah. so how do you introduce male to female? And do you have a temperature drop, all that stuff? I do light cycle. Um, you know, same thing as it is outside. The days get shorter. That's how I have the timers on my lights. The room naturally gets cooler. And I have a, <clears throat> I got real high tech from learning from Lon a couple of years ago with Tinley. I got a uh, spider robotics thing. I don't think they sell it anymore. You can hook it to a real thermostat and then get an app on your phone where you can control four different temperature drops if you want, or just one, you can just, yeah. I can just right now turn my temps down or up anywhere I want them. So <clears throat> I'll just go a couple degree, I'll go a degree or two cooler during the winter, but usually just, I don't touch the belly heat. They just drop naturally because we're in Philadelphia and it gets cold outside, so. Yeah, and yeah. that's happening around this time of year? Are you starting no, you, yet? No, usually October, we're still like sweating. This is, oh, it's God becoming. Damn, why did we choose the one for, year to move for, for the fucking winter I'm not October. kidding. Probably for the last like seven Octobers, you don't, Halloween is like very hot. Like kids are sweating in their costumes. Uh, this is very cold. Like it's going from summer to like winter. It hasn't done this like in a long time. We have one day of fall. Like we have like one day in the 60s. 
I think it's, it's nice. Huh? It's, it's, it's not freezing out. I mean, it's not freezing, but it the is. The lows 32 someday this week. I work I work outside, so it's cold for me. I mean, colder than I like it because you like the little little bit of temperature adjustment, but it's just it's a little dropping. Like my son had a football game Sunday. <clears throat> it was windy that day, so it was cold. It, I, I, like at first, I was like, "Nah, it's not bad," but no, it was cold out. I had a hoodie and a jacket on. And I was still pretty cold. I mean, I wasn't expecting 30 degrees till November. I wear shorts till January, but people think I'm a little weird for that. So <laughs> I, you're that guy. It's, 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 <laughs> I just like shorts. I hate pants, but yeah. You wore shorts to the football game? No, no, I wear pants. <laughs> As I get all, I'm, I'm burping into the mic again. My wife's watching. Sorry. Um, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> she'll be mad. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So as I'm getting older, I'm not digging the cold as much. I used to be <laughs> fine with the cold. Like, I used to, be like, bring on the winter, especially because for billboards, there's no more hornet's nest hidden up there. I'm not sweating my ass off. But you do got to bundle up. And now the last couple of winters, I'm just like, get the spring, get the summer, get this. I'm just tired of being freezing. Now, do you expect your season to go earlier as a result of that? I've been bringing my season later and later. I used to start mid-October. Tinley kind of throws that off. I don't want to start pairing stuff up because I'm basically away for five days. Yeah. And I don't have anybody get out of my basement and pair stuff up for me. But uh, Is there a big ramp up coming up to that season, though? As far as feeding? And- yeah, I try to feed heavier at the end of the year. Like, come September, I try to pound them with bigger food every week. Like, I'm, I'm kind of in every... Besides babies and yearlings, I'm kind of a every two week feeder now and the last you know september and october every week and i I up their meals a lot of my adults get mediums some get large i'll I'll try to go large and jumbo for a little bit and that's females mostly females mostly but yeah males too i'll just pump them up because they don't stop eating like males once in a blue moon for me stop eating females it's rare i have a female like i mean they're ready to drop eggs in a week and they're ready they smell rats in a room they're they're trying to eat like it's crazy so really? they just never stop yeah and are you trying to feed more while they're pregnant or is this no i, like I bump them back. as soon as they're gravid i know they're gravid they get like small rats and then i just start taking them off of food i mean even though they want it and because i used to completely take them off food as soon as they were gravid but then that's when i was getting like the flat tire look like when they were done so now when I, as i feed them they are getting you know they're, they're looking a lot better once they drop eggs mm. yeah now, is it possible to make that animal fat, or I mean, is that a concern? <laughs> no, yeah, it's fat. There's, they always look fat to me, but I don't know what the No, there, there, is. there is. I mean, you can't really tell a lean one if you're not a blood or short tail guy. Like, most of us can see a lean one, but, yeah, you could tell a fat one. I mean, there's just, there's no shape to them. They're just round, and they, they just get jelly rolls. I mean, they're just, they're too plump. <laughs> I mean, they always look fat, but they look enormous but i will say enormous ones look so impressive (laughs) that's what i fell in love with and even though i don't do it anymore i get the urge to like make like one or two like really big again and the big downfall so with borneo's the big downfall used to be fat snakes give you slugs really with borneo's it's not that much i mean i don't know what people were doing but when i'd make my snakes fat i didn't get slugs i just got more eggs which i don't want anymore i didn't want back then i didn't want 35 out of one clutch. I mean, a couple times it was cool when I didn't breed that much, but now it's like when you do like five clutches and you you don't want that. Yeah, you're like, I don't need 35 of these things. Like yeah. each, each clutch, yeah, it's a little crazy. I but, don't think I'd be able to tell a fat one. But but I will say this, red bloods, when I would do, so I would do both, and I'd feed them the same way. Reds did not do fat. They did not do well fat, I should say. Really? Yeah, they were, they were terrible fat, yeah. So there is something to it, but 
just not with Borneos. And I don't know about Sumatrans. I don't know mm-hmm. if they do fat, lean, or if they just breed all the time. And do you see any difference in life expectancy, at least what you have between... Yeah, the oldest one. I have a couple 2003s and 4s, and they're still kicking around. They seem fine. I mean, And those are probably the animals that you started off with and made huge. Yeah, and they're ones, like I said, that one girl just since 2006 has never had a year off early. She skipped one year on me, and she seems great. I mean... My luck, I'll go home. Something to be wrong. <laughs> I talked her up, but um, no, she's always been great. She's the animal. When people are down, I bring her out for a size reference. She's always like sweet. She's not striking. I let you know if I have my friends, uh, my my friends, my son's friends down there, or my friends' kids down there. I bring that snake out, let them pet the belly, let them feel the back of it. She just stays still. You know, she's just cool. Yeah. But not the most. She wasn't like. A great looking marble, but with age, she just got pretty dulled out. I mean, it's also like a lot of breeding, so she's, yeah. <laughs> she's worn out I mean, she's ways. just like an old woman that's just like, <laughs> leave me alone. I'm not pretty anymore, you know? It's a lot of kids. But do you see, I mean, they seem to, the ones that you hatch out look just as good, but also they may get even a little bit more striking with some age and then they kind of fall off a little bit. How does that work? No, most of the stuff now I'm seeing is getting better with age. Um, some of that stuff just looked good. It was just, I guess it was kind of early on, so maybe she's just falling apart color-wise, but most Borneos and most Borneo keepers' opinion get better with age. Some darken up, <clears throat> but darken up for the better. Mm-hmm. But some people get disappointed. So stuff like, so far with Oslet, it's the cool thing is they're staying brighter. Not all of them, but they're keeping more yellow or white because they come out as babies like cream color, white, almost, you know, stock white mm-hmm. and they're keeping that bright color some of them get chrome and silver tones and gray tones so when ultra brights were like the first patternless type of looking animal of borneo to come out as babies they were all like striking looking everyone loved them so they would buy these expensive you know ultra brights i think and think that's how it's going to stay but they would always gunmetal gray silver chrome out and you would just see, there was a point where so many ultras were like adults or sub-adults and getting sold because I think people thought they were getting a white snake. They just didn't pay attention. Oh. So Ghost would do that too. So there's there's a point where like the the Borneo haters are like, oh, like they're 50 tones of, of, of gray, uh, 50 tones of brown. And then the fancy ones are 50 tones of gray and silver. Like what's the point of having them? But I mean, most of them get, I think a lot more striking as they get older, they get orange or redder heads if the head's creamy it gets like you know more clean and more more white the blacks pop for the contrast so i mean you know just like any snake some of them get crappy as they get older they're not all perfect but yeah for the most part i think they almost always get better as they get older it's not not like a ball python <laughs> uh ryan cox said you don't like garrett's old blood anymore that thing is gigantic if you know what i'm talking about yeah that's yeah. that's what far is fanning now but no I, I wouldn't that's actually a really nice just red blood i don't know if, if i think i talked to garrett about it. i don't know if he told me where it came from he probably just picked it up it's it's yeah. a very nice red blood but I would have ta- i would have taken it for free yeah sure i would i would <laughs> i wouldn't go out of my way to go like Hey, Garrett, I got like a 1000 for you for that. But that's a nice red blood. Now, how atypical is the size on that animal? It's not typical. I mean, so I don't, they tell, I don't know how big it is. I they're telling tell, people it? it's like 60, 70 pounds. I've seen and had really big, heavy Borneos and bloods. I think my personal heaviest was like 32 pounds. And that was a big, big animal. And... 
Tim Mead used to make his Borneos really big, like really, he was known to make his Borneos really heavy. And they would be like six feet. And I think they were heavy and they were like 36 pounds at the most. So I just find it difficult to believe that thing's <laughs> over 60 pounds. I don't know, but you know, you, you do never know. And there was a, there was a kid before, there's like a notorious thing for, I don't know if it was one of the forums, or one of the Facebook groups, he swore his blood was like 72 pounds. This thing wasn't even four feet. It's Whoa. like, dude, that's not even bigger than 18. He's like, I'll stand on the scale with it. We never got pictures. We're, I mean, you had like really known breeders calling this kid out. That's how aggravated we were. Like, usually no one gets sucked into troll stuff. We're like, step on the scale then, take the pictures because we need, we need to shut this thing up There's now. No yeah, it gets a little goofy. I mean, at that point, I mean, they must be feeding that thing rabbits. And I mean, yeah, well, everybody at the show. So I bring at least one adult to the show. And the girl I bought this year is kind of the one I've been bringing. She's a good size. She's one I used to make big, but I leaned her down some. But she's still fat and, and long. She's like five feet, probably 17, 18 pounds. Everybody at the show thinks she's 45 pounds. Everybody. No, when I say 18 pounds, they can't believe that it's under 30 pounds. I mean, but everybody always goes, I would have guessed 40, 50, you know, 60. I'm just like, no, it's not, it's not, it's not like cement in that snake. You know what I mean? Like, so, because people do that with retics and berms too. Like you'll see like yeah. a 15 footer, like 250 pounds. It's like, it's not 250 pounds. It just doesn't subscribe to the same rules as humans. You see a, you know, you're expecting that thing to be so heavy. Yeah. I think that happened with one of Ryan Sullivan's. I think I was like holding one and someone asked me like, Oh, how much is that way? And I was like, uh, let me let me ask first. And I was doing like solid twenty five. I was like, yeah, this is probably forty five yeah, pounds. Yeah, it's like thirty forty. It was it's like, like sixteen pounds or something. Well, here, here was one of the good things. Now it was a non snake person at Tinley, but I put the year on my snake, so it, you know, said sixteen. 2016 the late this snake was obviously three foot and this lady's like when you get this out at 16 feet <laughs> she it just yeah like and, then magically. Every, and then everybody stopped at the table and like no that's just the year it was yeah, born you yeah you could totally put a 16 foot snake in this whole display cage yeah that would have like... been, been pretty wild <laughs> i mean i've heard some good questions before that was one of the better ones i've ever heard some people's perception is just really really off yeah exactly <laughs> you know she was super embarrassed that, <laughs> after she said that i don't know if she was oh i mean yeah I don't she think, should be she looked like she was fine <laughs> she should be <laughs> um okay i think there was another question i guess there wasn't it's really just riley on here um riley's talking a lot and... yeah he said he believes it was eight feet the, the blood yeah, uh, I, yeah i mean yeah the length was a little bit long i don't know i know Kara had a long, like a big Borneo, and I think it was like seven, but it looked like legit, like there's people laying next to it. I'm not calling anybody a liar. Forest Fanning has no reason to lie, neither does Garrett Hartle. It just seems a little far-fetched to me. <laughs> but hey, you know, they can just take it out and prove me completely wrong, staying on a scowl with it. So <laughs> I could put my foot in my mouth right now. So I don't know. Just, <laughs> it's rare to see eight-foot bloods that are 60 pounds. I mean, that's pretty rare. And even if it is an eight-footer, that snake looks like it's in really good condition, not like it's super fat. So, you know, you, if you see an eight foot blood that was fat, it'd be like a telephone pole. It would be big. Yeah, it would be, it would be a monster. Now, for like people who don't know, I mean, obviously that giant animal is mostly terrestrial. Like, what are you keeping them in? What's? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a tub guy. Bloods like to be very, very hidden they like to feel very secure so cages are good they hold great humidity there's plenty of good sized cages but 
that big glass front just gets them all wound up and you've got to give them a hide and they're going to hide anyway. Um, so I do for my bigger animals, I do the vision boa tubs, which are 40 by 30 by nine, nine and a half. That's what I do. That, that's what I keep them in. I keep a, um, like a 10 gallon tote, like them Rubbermaid totes. And I cut a hole in the front and I used to just do pay. I did mulch, went away from mulch, did paper. Now I'm back on doing, I'm doing, uh, Rep the yeah, chip, cocoa chips, whatever you want to call it. And they love that again. So I regret not giving them that because they would trash their cage and now they're all just burrowing down in their, in their hide boxes. So that's what I do for the bigger ones. I keep them on paper. Besides that, I do the smaller adults in a uh, Freedom Breeder 90, which is a 33 by 27 by 7. And you can also get them in the IRS ones are like 9 inches. You can get 7 inch or 9 inch height. They just need 7 inch height. They're not... They have nothing to climb on. They don't really go up. Matter of fact, they just, yeah, they just sit there. I mean, some of them will push <laughs> the corner, especially come breeding season. But um, that's about all they'll do. And then I keep a lot of stuff. Like, I'm starting to breed. This is something people might not like to hear or they might have a problem with. But I have good success. I'm keeping females pretty good to the size where I'm breeding them for the first year or two in 41 quarts. Now, the only downfall of doing that is if I put a male in there and they don't like the male, Usually, if they don't like the male, the male will just, if he wants to get in there, he gets in there, but there's room in the bigger cages. So if there's a lot of, like, her raising her tail or just, you can tell she's not feeling them, I will pull the breeding, and I'll try again, see if she does it. If not, I'll just, I'll hold out, because I, I won't switch her, I won't up her tub that season, I'll wait, because it's just too much stress, I think, for the animal. So, yeah, I've been having good success where I'm breeding in 41 quarts for the first year or two, and works out there hasn't been too many times where i had to like pull a male because she's just freaking out and is that an age thing so you're looking more on ages and weight i don't know if you weigh your animals no i don't i don't weigh them i would probably say they're in the seven to eleven pound range if i had to guess but it's just it's mostly it's, age. it's a seems like a different game because you're going by pounds other yeah. than you know ball python people no. are like 1200 grams yeah. or 1500 grams that's you know, the good thing about when a ball python person shops with you, they'll ask how many grams is this animal. I'm like, no idea. <laughs> or if it's like a sub adult, like I was making until that it joke. reaches five pounds. Or, I or don't if it's know. like an adult, I, I joke. I'm like sixteen thousand grams. I, I don't, you know, I'm just throwing numbers out there. But um, yeah, it's it's mostly like three years of age. And even if she's three, because I'm keeping them smaller now, there's a look to them where you're like. I think she can breed. You know what I mean? She just has that look and some just don't. So are there any structural cues, anything in particular that you're looking for? Head size is always a big thing. You can just tell by the head if it's still really small for their body, even at a small size, it's it's a no go. It's not, not really a point of going at it. And it doesn't always work. And males, even males, I'm I'm doing because uh, I'm keeping them smaller, a lot smaller too. And I am getting smaller clutches even if a young male goes with an older female. Maybe the male's just not really? throwing as much. Yeah, sometimes I'm getting more slugs though, I think, because the male, he's not young, he's just a little bit smaller. But I've seen some people, I thought I was doing small. I saw some pictures of some pretty small males with some pretty big females. So I didn't feel like I was going as small as I thought people were. So. Is it as comparable to ball pythons to where you can get a male up to size in six months or no, less? Or? No, my males breed at uh, two and a half, three years old. Same oh, thing. Sure. Yeah, there's, and lately I just, I'm never in a rush, but I used to always like, oh, I got this girl. I want to get her to go in three years. Now I'm like, that girl's not going to be ready till next year and she'll be four, you know? So it's just, it's, it's good to have a lot of things and holdbacks because you're just not in a rush. If one takes off more than the other, 
I'll just go with that one for that year. And I'm very particular with my pairings. I still haven't, I'm very behind. I, I have all my pictures down. I just haven't made all my, what I'm throwing with. So I'm also kind of, I told you I was a little stressed. I'm stressed about, I don't even know what I'm putting with stuff yet. It's going to take yeah, does your stuff bleed together as far as, because obviously you had a good production year and you're still almost, you know, getting babies out and doing all this thing and putting them up for sale and that breeding season's like right around the corner. Not already. for not for Borneos or Reds, no. My, I'm usually done. Like everything seems to hatch in June, sometimes in May and at the latest July. But retics, they always go later for me and ball pythons would be, when I did more ball pythons, it would be all over the place. I would have babies in May all the way up to like, they'd be hatching now and in November. It's so mm -hmm. weird, their, their cycle and what they do. But with Borneos, it's always May, June, July. And okay. I've had some August sometime, but that's never past the summer. So, yeah. Yeah, so Ryan was asking, do you have some type of golden rule or something for someone wanting to get into short tails? Basically, like, what can you tell a new keeper about short tails if they're, wanting to, if they're competent but want to get into short tails for the first time? I, I think you can. I, I don't think it's as easy as people make them to be, but I, it's also not, like, expert-level stuff. It's, look, I keep them in a room. They're all on paper. I do tubs. Uh, they don't like it too hot, so I do a hot spot between 84 and 86. My room temp is 80, but you can easily do them. I think I keep mine warm. This is how I'm successful. I do believe I'm keeping them a little warm. I think they could do well at 77 on the cool side. Right. I give a water bowl, a hide box. They're, just, they're, they're easy to feed. Once they're going, I mean, if you love an animal that doesn't stop feeding, this animal's going to keep feeding. It gives a good response. I think it's an easy animal to jump into, and if you ever kept anything, you know, you've corn snake, ball python, and you did well, boa constrictor, I think as long as you're willing to pay attention and you're not just going to change everything up at the drop of a dime, you're, you'll, you'll be fine with short tails. Is there any possible way to make this thrive in any tank of some sort, like as just a pet animal, a one-off? Yeah, people do. Like, I had no success in tanks, but there wasn't as much information. People do tanks. I do think it's more difficult. I think um, the glass just gives too much of a temp. I think temperature balancing is bad for them. I think they can be kept cooler, but I don't think they can be going down to 73 up to 80. You know, I don't, I don't, I think that's going to throw them off. Uh, they don't need to be kept as humid as people think, but they also just, if you're misting them, I don't think they can handle the swings of like 75% for two hours down to like 15%. And like when you're doing a glass, Enclosure, you need a screen top. And then my big thing was like, oh, I can change that. I used to like duct tape foil <laughs> to the screen top and leave like some vents here and there. And it just didn't work. And it's, I mean, there's plenty of ready available plastic cages if you don't want to do a tub. Mm -hmm. And I think they would do well with a heat panel. And there's plenty of places you can get a heat panel. Or if you just, they're a very good animal to do at ambient. You can do them at 80, 82. A lot of people do them at ambient. I tried for six months, which wasn't a big try. But I just didn't like the way it was going. For my comfortability, I didn't see it. And I actually did experience a few regurges from animals that never regurged, which I just don't know what happened. But I quickly was like, I need to give a temp gradient. Some people believe you have to give them a temp gradient. I don't think they need that. And damn, I forgot the question. I was just I, mean, I like a temp gradient. <laughs> but I do know, I knew, VPI is a oh. huge success, successful breeder. They do ambient, except for when a girl's grab it. Keith McPeak does And is that is that 80 degrees or is it Pretty more? much 80. I think they do 80 standard, no hot spot at all. I know people that don't do any hot spot, no matter if the female's pregnant or not, and they have great success. For me, that's just scary, but that's just me. And I think my animals are very adjusted to my warm room and 
that's what it is. If I started that way, they'd probably be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have to spray them down at all? When they shed. I find, I find adults don't shed well. My, my room... My room all summer was like, my room all summer was like 65, sometimes 75 humidity. And if I didn't dump the water bowl, if I didn't dump the water bowl, um, they would shed bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I got to peel them. But that's just adults. Everything else sheds in one piece. But yeah, that's for some odd reason. I heard other people having a little bit of trouble with adult shedding, but they're kind of easy. Then I miss them. And I put a piece of paper over them and I go back in 15 minutes and I can easily like kind of, you don't even got to peel them. You just press your hand down and they get aggravated with you and they slither away and then you just get a piece and you can just peel it off. Mm -hmm. So pretty easy. But do you see uh, like respiratory problems or anything when humidity goes low, high, whatever, which way? I think the the main cause of respiratory infections, people who related to temperature and I used to, I don't think it's temperature and I don't think it's humidity. I think it's just, Stress. I think they're a very touchy animal. That's the one thing I will say about Borneos, Reds, Sumatrans, is they're a very, they want to be, they want to feel secure. They kind of want to be hidden. Some of them do very well because you, you adjust them to you. But something little can throw them off. And I just think it's, I think the main cause of respiratory infection is, is stress related. And I think anything between just looking at them too much, grabbing them too much, spooking them, as if like you come in and you just whip the hide box off. If you're hooking them and you're constantly touching their head and they're backing up or they sit in their pee too long, like that kind of stuff can stress them out. And also, yeah, that's another important thing. If they're, these animals won't poop all the time, but they will pee a lot. And when they pee, it's like you dumped a gallon of water in there. I mean, they're sitting in two inches of like, uh, Lon Dexter calls it the devil's soup. <laughs> and some animals have, they can tolerate it for a while. But red seem to be the least tolerant of it. And if you keep them in there, them breathing that in, and they're always coiled up, like just getting in their lungs, they can start getting the early signs of a respo. And you got to keep them, you're going to keep them sparkling clean, but you can't have them sitting in their pee for two days. Like some snakes can handle that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They can't. They can't handle it. And do you take any considerations as far as airflow? Do you put any holes in your tubs as the thing that you're concerned yeah, about? Yeah, I, I do a good amount of airflow. I want to get the tubs back out and start burning more holes into them. I think they could use some more. But, man, it's so hard to want to go get that soldering iron out oh, and sit there and poke hole. Is that one of the greatest things about Kim is she will fold baby papers for I have like papers where you fold them perfectly for the baby tub. She'll take a huge stack and do them with no problem so fast. And my daughter thinks she's helping and she just crumbles them up. But like I do a small stack and like I start like my neck starts hurt. I start like getting like all cramped up and with holes. Like I can handle a few oh tubs. I mean she'll just it's not like she enjoys it, but she just knows how to just burn holes and like she she's done so many tubs for me. She's so awesome for that. Cause yeah, like imagine all those baby tubs that I have. I had to burn like five holes. And I just did it for the for the show. I did hole punch it. I, I, you can punch holes in that. Yeah. It's a little hard because you might crack the lip. You got to get deep down in them Chinese food containers and like go down to punch the holes. Is that easier than It's a lot easier, but you got to wear like a padded glove because after so long, your hand starts cramping. <laughs> if there was a way to sharpen that like hole thing, it would be so much easier. Yeah, it's like you have a choice between you know breathing in plastic or that's the other your thing. hand hurting that so. smell just kills me after a while you're just like oh, man. i saw so eric kohler i saw him make some contraption where he like took a bunch of them and put them on like some kind of moldy hold thing and he was burning like three at a time I was like i always want to do that and never did because when you get a new rack it's like building it sucks Everything sucks. And then you're like, I got to go buy the tubs and burn holes. <laughs> when you buy a baby rack of 45, you're just 
it's a nightmare. You just can't stand it. But you got to burn the holes if you got plastic racks. Well, I do. Yeah. But yeah, I could use some more ventilation. I think ventilation is a huge. It's it's huge for them snakes, especially has they pee so much and and all that taking in all that bad fumes. Do you have a fan in your room? I have two fans. Yeah, belt. So I do it to push the air around, just so it circulates, so it doesn't get stale. But also, one points to my back door where it gets cooler, and one points to where my like garage and laundry room is. And I got them on an angle, so it keeps the I keep the heat down on the ground. Because like I said, I'm kind of weird where I just bought a lot of digital thermostats, and I'll keep them all over the place so I can see what the ground temp is. If, if I didn't put them fans in there. The temp on the ground would be like 76, which isn't terrible, but with the fans on, it's like 79 on the ground and 81 at the top. So it's pretty steady temperature almost everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we should have fans in our room. I don't know. Now I'm like, it we sucks. don't have any you run it all, Nice. I run it all day. I just get the Honeywell ones that are like 15 bucks. They're almost always available. And they run for like two to three years straight. And then eventually they're just done. You go in, you can't hear nothing. You're like, Oh, oh cause you, you literally just keep them going. I just put them on medium and they go, yeah. they just go forever. And they get <laughs> covered in dust and fuzz. You try to take it off and clean. You're like, just let it go. <laughs> I just try to shake it out. And then when you try to clean it out, that's when they wind up breaking. So you just got to let them go. But will that make our space heater run harder? Cause you, if we had fans, no, cause it'll, it cir- it'll probably circulate it better actually. Cause your heat won't rise as much. I would love to do a, ceiling fan but my my room's too short for a ceiling fan yeah that's what every snake room i've had before the one we have now ceiling usually fan? had a ceiling yes, fan so you don't get that in easier. philly the basements aren't that big unless you yeah. got crazy money i was like thinking like them dyson fans are way too much but can i like stick a dyson fan sideways and <laughs> you play this? i just know if i got up on a stool and went to the top rack i would clip my head so much because i could have put one down there the guy that helped me do my room he's not a snake guy but he put my lights in like what do you think of a ceiling fan like if i just find like a real sleek He's like, I think you'll hit your head a lot. That's what I think. <laughs> I think you'll put your hands into it. Or if you, you got these long snakes, if they go up, they're going to get caught. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I can't. Yeah, that's so when I see retic guys and there's they just go fans up. going oh, yeah. and there's fucking retic going would be a up. Nightmare. Yeah, that's scary. True. I think about when our green tree's gotten out. Thankfully, it hasn't ever gone for the fan. Yeah, we had the one Amazon in the uh, in the blinds in the, the top of the blinds. We just happened to look up, and it was just sticking out ever so much. Out of that. <laughs> but the funny time, funny thing is, when our green trees escape, it's never really gone up high. Remember no, because once the once daylight hits, it just chills in one spot. So it was like on my guitar rack. Yeah, or... that's what um, we found it most of the time. It's on the guitar stand or like behind a mattress. Like it's never really gone up. Hi for us when it's escaping. You're actually like, gets out every week. Sorry. Can we tell people that? <laughs> Snakes escape over here so often. So. Yeah, they're just all over the place, guys. Well, part of the reason I did is because it's funny burning the hole in the plastic that you, well, that you made for the perch. Matt had mentioned. Yeah, yeah, because I had to do some ghetto soldering <laughs> of the hole for the perch. But I mean, you said you've had a blood or Borneo get out by itself, right? Like open the tub. So yeah, so when, a couple years before I got a lot more baby racks, as, as I, my, I'm i in my new house now for five years, but I didn't have it. It's not even completely done now. You think it's completely done, you're gonna change something up. But so I had a metal, one of the metal wire racks and I would just stack tubs. Cause it is so easy to just grab a stack of tubs, put them on your cart, clean them and put them back rather than rack by rack. So I thought I was gonna do that forever. But the reason why I didn't is because the top row, I had to put weights on. And I ran out of weight, so I was putting one weight on two cages. And I guess if one could, that's how, they're, they're little, and they could push it. So, so I had 
like four, my room's pretty escape proof. If anything big gets out, it's not going anywhere. My room is like sealed. But I have um, under my laundry room, that's probably the only place because it's got a big gap. I got one of them things that cuts off the draft, but there's a little room on each side. So I had four Borneos get out. And my hot water heater was leaking. And this time, I, I, I took a long time to get my hot water heater fixed. I, I should say that. And I would, <laughs> so I would surround it with tails because it still worked. I mean, but it was leaking. I'd surround it with tails and the sales, tails would get saturated every two days. I had to change the tails. So I would just go, oh, they'll pop up. They're probably in like one of the ARS racks in the back. So the one time I lifted up the tails, uh, Borneo flipped out. So then when another one got out, I went directly to the tails and it flipped out. And I'm like, temp gun in the ground. The ground's like 73. And they're just sitting in between soaking wet tails. So I don't think they're swamp snakes, but ba- these are babies that had to be kept real wet still because they didn't shed. But they were just all drawn like to those towels. And that's the scary part. When they get into my laundry room, there's a lot of escape routes. There's like, I got a drop ceiling and there's like a spot there. But they would just get to this tail and sit in the middle of it to, to the point where I had to lift the tail up. Like they would get in this heavy, wet tail and just be sitting there. So, yeah, it was weird. So, I mean, I saw the babies. Obviously, some of them that you had on display all weekend or whatever, you needed to wet them up because they haven't shed yet. So, like, how do you – you need to keep them in that state for that first, you know, three to five months until they shed? Yeah, well, it's weird. With red bloods, they do the same thing. Red, red bloods do the same thing. I'm looking too. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm like, oh, what are you guys looking at? But no. Um, so red bloods do the same thing, but they don't seem to get as dry to me as Borneos do. So Borneos, if, if they haven't had their first shed, they got to be kept very moist, which a lot of people I know just keep them on like a little film of water with no paper. Really? I keep them with paper and have to clean the paper every two days. So I'm just going to start doing a film of water because it's easier to just clean the water every day or every other day. Because, yeah, if you put them on something dry, they will crinkle up. So, I mean, they just, they look skinnier. They look like garbage. And then you drip some water on them, they're like, they instantly come back to life. So. And there's no, you're not afraid of scale rot or anything? That doesn't happen? No, not not when, not before they have their first shed. I mean, I learned that from, like, Keith McPeak back in the day where, I mean, he would bring his Borneos out in Daytona, August. So they didn't have their first shed yet. And everything, he would just keep them in a little bit of water. I mean, it makes them also like pop. They look amazing when they're all like wet and hydrated. But I guess people might have thought that like, oh, he's just trying to make them pop. But no, you get, you know, I would buy one. I would bring it, you know, I would bring it back to the hotel room, put it on paper towel, and that thing would look like a shriveled raisin. So you have to drip water in there. Yeah. And they, and when they're, when there's hatchlings, they handle, Cooler temperatures eat way better than like adults do. Like they could be kept. Because huh. I would like bring my temp gun and all. I was so weird back then, like always worried about temperature. I'd bring a styrofoam temp gun and bring a digital thermometer to check on it because it's a 15 hour drive. I mean, it's just so much younger. So I would always go, like, how do people bring all their animals out? I mean, like it would hit because it's summertime. It's August. We're driving through Georgia and all. My friends were like, I would bring a bunch of my friends that were non snake people. And I would want to like not put the air on so much. I'm like, dude, we're putting the air on. So if we get to like 66 in the box and I'm like, oh shit. And I'm like, try to turn the air off. Like, nah, dude, it ain't happening. Like you got us to go on this trip. We're not sitting in like warm weather. We're not rolling down the windows. So, but nothing ever happened. I mean, yeah. So and when you would, when Keith would bring it out of the display, it would be very cold to the touch and you know, they're just fine. They can tolerate that. So you feel that you could, if you're gonna go any way, heat kills more so than the cold. I, I definitely think so. I think we all like. I think I'm a definite warmer keeper, and that could be the cause of some of my problems. Even keeping. I think another reason for URI is not so much. I said set temps 
like you know everyone thinks cooler temps i think hotter temps because they get much more agitated you can see like if one is pretty calm or normal you go in there and you can just see that the room is hot and they're just they don't want nothing to do with you they're just agitated they're moving their papers swirl they're looking for a way to cool down and i think once they can't cool they just they get stressed out so they you know start blowing bubbles and then you got a uri to deal with where people think like oh you know think they're getting sick let me jack the heat up i just i don't think they like to be kept hot at all so like i said i keep warm i don't think i keep too hot but it's just hard for me to dial temperatures down i'm just so used to doing warmer even though i know and you're you don't want to change anything over i mean yeah if it it works don't change it it's been working for me i mean even if i have a a bit of a problem i'm pretty experienced where i can jump on the problem and, and work it out and like I said, I'll temp gun the box. I'll be like, it's probably too warm in there. And then I temp gun it, it's 83 in the back and it's 79 in the front. Like, there's no way it's too warm. <laughs> but I, I do think they like to be kept pretty cool. So um, like I said, I always give the advice to keep them a little on the cooler side, even though I don't listen to my own advice because I've, <laughs> I've just been doing it so long. I do think you're going to see in the reptile hobby more and more people keeping it cooler where it's like you walk into reptile rooms now and it's like I'm not sweating my ass off anymore. People complain about my room a lot and people... I've been in my room. I'd say, God damn, it's hot. But if you look at my temp, my temperatures, it's it's between 79 and 81, but my humidity is high and my room is pretty closed off even with the fan. So it does seem to feel a lot hotter. I mean, like I went in your room and you said it's 80. It's pretty much the same as mine, but it's not as hot as mine. Mine just I'm feels so hot. I'm work in there. I'll sit in the snake room for like 20 minutes trying to take a picture of a snake. I'm like, fuck this. I'm so hot. Like I just can't even sit in here anymore. It is. It, it's hot. Sometimes it's... I like it. Sometimes it's very annoying. Like I, I actually... I rarely drink by myself or in the snake room. There's a couple times I bring a couple beers down there. And after a couple beers, I'm like, I'm thinking that's going to keep me down there. I'm listening to music or a podcast. But now I'm just like, I'm sweating my ass off. And now I'm getting tired. I want to lay down. Like if I was on vacation, I'd be in the pool right now. I wouldn't be sweating my ass off. Then I want to go lay on the couch. Yeah, and it's like I always want to go in there with like no shirt on or something. But... And then I realized, like, okay, then there's going to be shit all over me, and I don't want to yeah. do that. So it's like, that's not really an option. So you well, just the, embrace the, it. The fatter I got, the more my shirt stayed on, even when I'm by myself. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want to be this shirtless dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it gets awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a good look. But yeah. I can't even imagine people who have, you know, 300 plus babies. Like, you're in there for all day long. I don't Oh, yeah, if you're in there a majority of the day. Mm-hmm. I just. Yeah, like when when people have a facility and it's like 83 and they're doing a you're they're working six to eight hours. I don't know. You must lose a lot of weight. Maybe you know. <laughs> I never been paid to clean snakes. I just do it for myself. So I mean, that's reason enough to be down there. And I I like I said, for Tinley, I'm down in my room for almost two straight days. I take lots of breaks, but man, it's it's a lot. And you just you're just sweaty. And you know you smell like snake pee, but at that point you can't smell the snake pee on you. And when you mm-hmm. come up, Kim's like, oh, you smell like snake pee so bad. And I'm like, I know. I, it's weird. So if I used to, when my, before my company switched over, I could go home during work and clean cages or just check on stuff. So I would get back in the work truck. And I wouldn't even clean. It's just like if it was a bad day, it was a rainy day, everything went pee. People were like, oh, man, is that what snake pee smells like? And I would go... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I do smell like snake pee really bad. Like, I don't even clean anything. I just smell like snake pee. That's how bad it is down there. But, yeah, it's a strong smell. It's like, and once in a while, I'll go on vacation because I don't know how this happens. I, I, I say it and it's disgusting. Like, you know how garlic comes out of people where 
I used to sweat. Like when I was younger, if I sweat a lot and I drank a lot, I would yeah, sweat yeah, beer. Yeah. It's like I spilled a beer on myself. Really? I feel like snake pee is in my pores. Like, it's weird. <laughs> like if I sweat sometimes, I'm like, oh, it smells like snake. I'll be away. I haven't touched a snake in days, and my clothes were clean. They weren't in the snake room, and I'm like, I smell like snake pee. I feel like I just, and Kim will be like, you kind of do, and it's weird. I'm like, I think it's in my pores. Now. I mean, as a colubrid person, I feed a snake and it goes to the bathroom <laughs> almost immediately. So it's do you? Hard. It's not like the gross ball pythons. I don't like. Well, I have retic, so so do I. Oh yeah. fuck that! So when I'm putting away a retic after cleaning it, it's literally urating as it goes back because I aggravated it. Yeah, that's really the worst. The, I mean, I've never really seen a clean retic cage for a long period of time over like no. a couple of days. No, if you ever try to do betting on a retic, you would spend so much money in betting. Do bioactive, man. <laughs> oh yeah, bioactive. <laughs> you You're gonna need, need some like lobsters in there. Yeah, we need a fifteen by fifteen room with bioactive. <laughs> Same thing with blood zone. If they go pee, they're just swimming in pee, and and I, I like I seen. So the first time I ever went to Nerd, I went to their old building, and it was before I knew a lot about snakes. They had a big, giant calico rail. Probably had to be 16, 18 foot calico. It took a dump, and that was one of the most <laughs> impressive things. I was taking so many pictures of the shit. Because I put my forearm next to it. Because before having adult Borneos or Bloods, I was still raising stuff. So I thought it was so impressive. And then I had a sub-adult Borneo like, unload after six months. So much bigger than a giant retic shit. I mean, they shit another snake. It's, it's like... Some of them could be like, there could be a whole photo album of like a blood or a Borneo that holds in crap of how thick and big it is. And it's just wild how, how much they go. So do you end up cleaning more or less? Because obviously the frequency is less, but the quantity is a lot more. Less. And it's just when they go, like when they decide, when an adult decides to drop, it's like crazy. <laughs> but the cool thing is when I did paper in the, in the totes, hold on. <laughs> Got the stuffiness too. Uh, when they do the paper in the totes, they would go anywhere. There's like no rhyme or reason. They barely ever go in the box. The box is more like the hide spot for when they peed. But when there's a substrate in them, like a sphagnum moss, repti chip, mulch, they go in there and then they leave it. So a lot of times it's just so much heavier because of all the pee and they just got a cornered, like, it's it's like a it's like a foot and a half worth, and you can like weigh it. Like I said, it's it's pretty crazy how much it weighs. Oh, and then they're pretty flat, so you're like, oh, I can feed you up now. So yeah, it's it's pretty wild. You just see them get the because they got the short tail. So when they get heavy, it's like their short tail looks like a stinger. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big bubble butt, <laughs> and then it looks like a little stinger. It's crazy looking. And now. Does it change dramatically in looks after it goes to the bathroom after six months? If it's if it's a big one, yeah, it does change dramatically in looks and change dramatically in feel because when you pick up an adult blood that's got bathroom in it, they're just squishy and, and weird feeling. And then when they go when they when they empty out, they feel like the way you think they would feel. But most people are like, oh, I can feel everything in them. I'm like, because they're packed. Ew. Yeah. They are. <laughs> so, gross. so does Kim help out at all? She helps out by letting me do my. She helps out by letting me do my thing. That's what she does now. There, there's been times in my old house where, if I had to give a big Borneo or blood like a shot, like if they had a URI, she'd have to help, and she would not like that part because clearly I would hold the snake because they're strong, and she had to give a needle, and she was not into that. But I found a way better technique. Um, so the best thing to do because these snakes just twist and turn like they don't there's like no snake that really wants their head grabbed and they definitely don't and they're strong they, when they thrash they thrash like no other snake and um 
it was such a dumb way of doing it, but you just don't know any other way of doing it. I mean, you're learning from somebody that's a vet who's not used to short tails. So they're doing it that way. So what I did was I got this big rubber glove I found at Lowe's made for shoveling. It goes up to my elbow and it's rubber. So I just put my forearm on their like head and middle of their body and you do the first third of their body. And I just slip the needle in where they do that. And even if they kick or go, you can pretty much get the needle in and they don't kick it out. And then you just wait a second, you push the plunger and you don't got to remove them. And it's not a big deal. But mm-hmm. besides with shots, I had her when I was away. Like we were rarely ever away from each other in our old house. Like I think I had her fill up water bowls or check something. Like if something, she's like, something smells down there, I would kind of know who probably did it. And I'd be like, can you just open this one's cage for me? She'd be like, no, it's fine. I'd be like, oh, something else that I right, just leave it alone, you know. So, yeah, she she helps me at shows as much as she can, but I'm very like particular. So we wind up just arguing. So oh it's... no, I didn't notice that at all. You don't seem. Yeah, I'm very particular. It's good though because like so Keith vented on the end of my table and he has his wife there and she said Keith is the same way. It was just I would try to help. I would go, okay, I'm just gonna go back to like back to the hotel room or go do something. And I was like, it's really the best thing because we're just so particular in what we do. It's, I don't know, even other snake people, I can't have them, like besides getting the tablecloths and handing me stuff, I can't have people help because I have a certain way of doing things and I just, I just like doing it my way. What are those certain things? What? What are those certain things? I don't know, just where I'm placing them, even even that. I'm like, oh, I'll put that one there. Like, my Lon was helping me. Lon is great with all that stuff. But even that, like, I would say, do that. Now let's put that one up there. Let's do that. But he's fine with, like, handling them and all that stuff. But just as far as the table set up, like, some people would try. Like, the one year I couldn't make Tinley Friday. So Eric and I wanted to take my – and Zach had to take my car because I had my cousin's wedding. So I was vending still, and we were using my car, so they did it, and I flew up Saturday morning. And Zach's really good with all that stuff, so they did set my table up because I had no other option, and I was, like, so worried. I wasn't worried, like, it was going to be messed up. I was just like, ah, what is this going to – oh, no, it was great, though. I'm like, maybe I should let people do my table more because they're actually the one where I do, like, a red and black tablecloth. I always do the black, and then the red – everybody does black, so – Zach's like, I did red. Looks better. Don't touch it. You know what I mean? Like Zach and I, I'm like, you're right. It looks better. It pops more. <laughs> Good idea. So maybe I should let people help me more, but I just, there's just something about it where I'm like, I, I, and I also feel like I'm burdening people. I don't know. Like they're more than willing to help, but I feel like they don't want to help. <laughs> I'm just always I don't like think that. that's true with snake people, especially at a snake if show. Like people, yeah, it doesn't feel like work to a but lot. To me, and I agree, like I'm more than willing to help people, but I feel like they're just standing there. It's probably because I'm not giving them anything to do and they see how nuts I am, where I'm like, they don't want to be here. <laughs> it's just me in my own head. Yeah, I mean, that's better, I guess, than the alternative and always asking people to do your shit for you. But... Yeah, like, go ahead, do it. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, go walk yeah. away and shop. Yeah, that would be weird. Uh, Brandon asked, has anyone tried the rain chamber thing on short tails like they're starting to do with green trees? No, there's, I don't even see a reason. I don't do it with green trees either. I don't, I don't know the point. I miss, see, I'm not like conjure people. I missed my green trees directly because I think that's how they drink. I think that's how they drink. For me, I never catch them drinking. And when I tried to listen to what people say, I had problems for the few weeks I tried. I had, I had a prolapse. I had stuff looking skinny. And then when I went back to spraying, they look fine to me. So that's see. I think that's a that's an issue because 
green trees, I feel like people keep them a bunch of different ways and are successful with them, yeah. but they don't necessarily work for you. That's like the one snake where you literally have to listen to each individual. And, and, pi- and pick and choose. You got to cherry pick. But with bloods, hydration is really important. They love water, and you definitely got to change your water more than a few times a week because that's why they pee so much. They love to be hydrated. I mean, when you put a bowl of water in there, they don't seem to ever have problems finding water. And you'll hear it like they put their whole head in the water and it sounds like fart or like like you'll hear it and you'll be like, oh, shit, is that an R.I.? But it's not. Mm-hmm. They're just blowing bubbles in the water. And I mean, they'll chug half the water bot, like half the water bowl. And that's another thing. They give a fake R.I. when they're in shed, their heads blow up like a chondro. And when they drink a bunch, if you pull them out or do something, they'll drool the water because it just sits in their throat. So people think it's like drool for an R.I. So they they give a lot of because they are a snake that has a upper respiratory infection, like reputation, uh, they give a lot of fake RI. So it's it's pretty deserving of what they do. And when they do get sick, it is because of that. But like I said, if you catch an RI early, and it's not, it doesn't come with bloods or short tails, but if you're doing 100, you're getting some a year. Mm-hmm. And if uh, you catch them early enough, I've never been good at naturally taking care of them some people said they do I, I tried popping them in my incubator raising the temp but once once again i think when they're too hot i think they're more agitated and it never worked for me giving them more humidity in their cage and just i never was good at natural remedy so i always would batrol would be the thing if i cultured them would be what works i never liked amicacin it never seemed to work for me even though batrol you get the chance of batrol burn I mean, if you do it the right way, you usually don't get it. And if you do end up with Batrol burn, yeah, you might have an ugly snake for a little bit, but at least you have a live snake. Do you do it at different points of the body or you always put it in the same spot? Not the same spot. Especially with Batrol, you got to switch it up. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, usually starts for like my vet used to recommend it. And then I started being able to get my own, which was a big help. Didn't cost me thousands of dollars at the vet. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, you bring one snake to the vet sometimes. And I I have the same vet. He's a great vet, but... Prices can vary, and it can be like, so they'll give you the first round of shots, and it's like five, and you bought your snake in, and you culture it. It winds up being 250 300 bucks, mm. And then usually five will sometimes knock it out, but he gives you another three shots, and usually five to seven is what knocks it out if you catch it in time. If it's deep in there, though, you're wrestling with that thing for a while, or it's, it's really never getting better. It kind of keeps on reoccurring, and, and you're kind of just dealing with it. So it's pretty crappy, but... um. Yeah, for the rain chamber thing, like I got way off topic. I don't, I don't see a need for it. I mean, they do, they don't. I wouldn't say they enjoy being missed it, but I will just miss them out of nowhere, and they don't flinch or anything like that. I mean, some of them will like do a back flinch, but after you miss them a while, they just sit there. And I'll, if they're not in their box, I'll, I'll miss their uh, mulch a little bit more, keep them a little bit more wet. But like I said, some snakes have trouble finding the water bowl to hydrate. These don't seem to ever have trouble finding the water bowl. They just seem to always go to it. Even babies, they don't really dehydrate. But I guess once in a while they do because if they prolapse, it's most likely to dehydration and you're feeding them way too big a meal. That urate is like a softball at the end of them and they can't pass it. So that's a big reason why it's a good idea not to jam big meals in the bloods, even though it looks like they can, is because they will hold it forever. And if that urate slides to the back or that's the first piece, them having to pass that is, is rough. And they, that's when they prolapse and they get hurt. And because they're so opened up, even if they don't prolapse, everything decides to shoot out of them afterwards. So it's kind of a nightmare for them. And once they prolapse, I've had great success if they did. But a lot of people just, it's a, it could be a nightmare. Yeah, it can be a nightmare. Yeah. Do you have your animals soak or do you give them water bowls big enough to soak or do you see that that isn't a prevalent thing? <laughs> 
I think the water bowls they can soak in is great. It just it never has been my style, and I don't seem to need it. I mean, maybe that's why I'm having a bad time with adult shedding. But like I said, once they go blue and once I notice them shed, I will miss them every day. And once they finally hit blue, I just take a full water bowl and dump it in there. And then I crumble up papers. I'm starting to have more success. But if you don't do that, at least in my room when I would spray it, the humidity is so high, it's crazy that they can't shed that piece off in pretty much one shot. But I don't ever see like stuck sheds where they're like completely encased and look skinny. But um, yeah, I mean, a rain chamber, I guess, for when it's blue would be great. But I just, I'm and not, is that, I'm is not that building same, a rain chamber. Yeah, I'm just is that the it. same long process though? You see it going into shed, and then is it months before it actually sheds? No, no, or, like babies. No, they go in the shed and they shed, and just a regular shed cycle. It's, mm-hmm. I don't even count a shed. I mean, what is it like seven to ten days, and the, they're out. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, once they turn blue, it's like two days later they shed. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> okay, so that's more normal than I thought. Um, well, time flies when you're having oh, fun. Yeah, it's late, huh? <laughs> we are <laughs> at well, our. Ryan asked about the beans at Finley. I didn't know what the hell it's, he was talking about. Well, it ain't late. I'm used to doing NPR, and it's like midnight when I'm done that's with that. I'm not late. Right now. It's crazy. No, I mean, tomorrow. Today's Monday. I, I, yeah. I love being on their show when you talk, but it starts so late, and it's Monday, and I always have work the next day or Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's just like. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, sleep. my whole house is sleeping, and I'm just like, my wife will just, Kim will go, how was the show? Because <laughs> like, she's already asleep. <laughs> pretty good, I think. I was nervous as usual, and I was probably saying like, <laughs> or just doing that one word thing. I feel like I was pretty comfortable here, but I'll go home. I won't watch this. Someone will tell me yeah, I said no. one word over and over oh, and over I again. Like I don't that. think you've had a this, tick. This is much better. It's probably different it's being face-to-face. Drinking face. beer, face-to-face, oh. I was a lot more comfortable. Yeah, there you go. That's what we're aiming for. <laughs> yeah, Eric and Owen, get your game up. Me, <laughs> Owen needs to drive down from uh, his freaking PA house and do it, Eric, every Tuesday and have me there. In when person? I, when I want to do. Yeah, now I'm high maintenance. <laughs> there you go, high end. Well, everyone is saying that Matt is the new Evan. Because oh. he, he's our All guy. right, I, I'm showing up. I, you don't live far, so. But I don't want to be Evan, though. <laughs> Not I, exactly. I Evan. met Evan and I knew Evan. I, nothing Evan. against you, Evan. I don't want to be the new you. I mean, Surprise, Evan's not here. I don't know what he's I'm doing. Probably out fishing because that's. What the only other thing he does usually when he's not here. That's true. If he's not here, he's, he's fishing, fishing somewhere. Usually, but um, Matt. Well, we didn't get into the red bean, or just oh, red beans. beans a little bit. Well, everybody's red doing beans. everybody's doing the black beans for a background. My showcases were getting beat up on the bottom. I used to cut the paper, like cut a paper out to do it because I don't like any kind of substrate like Carefresh or any of that stuff because they just burrow under there. I thought the black beans was a slick look, so I told Kim to get me black beans. She bought home. One bag of black, one bag of red, and one bag of these multicolor ones that look just like a Borneo. She goes, try them all out. And I just tried red because it was a different one. And I took some pictures. And I thought it looked cool. And then I started getting more positive reviews about the bean background, how beautiful it looked in the snakes. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm going to use red beans on the Borneos. And because reds are red, I use the black beans on the reds. But... Yeah, beans is a cheap, easy substrate for shows. I do not use them. That was a big question at the show, too. Is that what they live on? I mean, they probably could live on beans, but I'm not dumping beans into their cage. It's just for show. I think it makes it look good. And I don't actually like beans, so everyone's like, that's making me hungry. It does nothing for me. So Yeah. I don't it, does, do it. it does nothing for me. How do you cut me. out a whole bean? They, they taste all so different. What are you talking about? You don't like beans. I don't like beans. Every bean I tried, I don't like. I don't like baked beans. I, don't, I like... 
So Spanish rice, I grew up with a lot of Puerto Rican people. I'll eat everything around the beans. I love the pork in it. I love the rice, but so not like, the you beans. You get like a burrito. You get like no beans. No beans. I'm, I'm super difficult when it comes to, if you eat with me ever, like you go out to eat, I'm like the no vegetable. I eat like a like a kid. I'm, I'm, <gasps> no vegetables? Yeah, no vegetables. Yeah. She'll get like chicken tenders or some shit out of it. Well, no. So I'm a pain. Like I said, we went to Avachi. I'll make sure there's no vegetable. I don't need vegetables on my plate. Can you take the onions out of the fried rice? Which they love that because it's just yeah. like what the. So they'll just put them in there and I'll just eat them anyway. But I'm not happy about it. But yeah, I, just, I like string beans, corn, carrots. That's a vegetable. Yeah. String beans. Yeah, I, but I like a couple. Oh, I like zero. <laughs> oh, I like a couple, and I want to like more because I'm an adult and I'm. I don't eat healthy as it is. He's trying. I'm. He's like my, my wife. Kim tries to. Too, Kim's like, just but, try it. Just try it. Yeah. But like, can't. he'll sneak, he'll sneak it in. Like, yeah, she'll eat it. Oh, I, I know. Like, it was like, it tastes like nothing. I'm like, I taste it. And I don't like it. So. <laughs> he got me carrots the other day. And that was a big I can eat carrots in house. super stew. If they're soft, I can eat I them. I can eat it in stews. Crunchy yeah. carrots. No thanks. I like raw carrots better than yeah. cooked. Oh, they all eat the mini carrots at my house. And I'm just, I tried yeah. the bite one. I'm like, it's not good. No. Okay. We're so. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> By the way, when, uh, James, or when Ryan asked about the beans, the reason I didn't ask the question, because I thought it was like some food thing that like wasn't important. I didn't real. I'm glad you decided to answer it because I didn't realize it was about the display. So I'm glad you well, yeah, I guess that was insider information for anyone who listened to the NPR episode. Well, well I was. Trailing off. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, actually, I actually looked at the camera and I'm like, oh shit, I haven't looked at the camera. Because <laughs> um, Eric talked about your bean display. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard it. Yeah. Also talk about the fact that your windshield just wasn't. Yeah, there was a lot of things going on. We drove down <laughs> illegally. My windshield wiper. Fl- I didn't get a lot of stuff done in my car. There's a rush. But, you know, we got it know. done. It's, it's done. I still didn't get my car inspected. So I <laughs> yeah. There is someone else in this household. Uh, yes, I haven't registered my car in Pennsylvania. So in September. My so. buddy does like it. To he moved his shop. His machine isn't there. So I just was. I've been waiting. For me, it's just a lot of work to get down to the DMV. But that's terrible. That's enough. It's enough about me he has to get and a my new license before he can register here. He has to get a fill. I need to get a license and then registration and then inspection. Yeah, I've never did. I've lived in Philly my whole life. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> yeah, how does? Do you ever plan on moving out, or would you ever want to move out? I mean, obviously, you can get more room elsewhere for cheaper. I don't think I ever do it. I think if me and Kim, like I'm retired, the kids are out, I wouldn't move far. I would maybe move outside or. I still don't think I would be like the mountains guy. Like, you know, you can move an hour away and be in the mountains with a big house, nice scene, you know, lake out back fishing. But I just think I would get bored of that. And I'm not like a huge, like, I'm not a city guy where I'm going to the bar. I'm old now. I just stay home. But I just like knowing where everything is. My friends are all within a 10, 15 minute driving radius of me. I just think like it seems cool to be like, oh, let's go in the middle of nowhere. But then I got to drive like two hours to see my friends. And I, I, with kids and all, I barely go out anymore. But just the fact that I, it had to be a big event to, to get me to go out now it would kind of suck. So yeah, I don't see me moving. I'm not going anywhere. Right on. There you go. So like I started earlier, Matt, if someone wants to reach out to you, where can they talk to you? So my website is down. I need to get it back going. It's been down for like two years. I'll do it sometime. But Facebook. You can find me by my name, my personal page. I answer snake questions and post snakes at Matt Minnetola. Uh, Philly Herpeticulture, if you just type in Philly Herp, so you don't, I don't got to spell out Herpeticulture, that comes up in the Facebook search. Joe K. 
convinced me that I need to work on my Instagram just by, he didn't grill me, he just talked about it. I'm definitely <laughs> dissing Instagram too. So I have an Instagram under FKDMatt215, which I post snakes and stuff, but I'm going to get a Philly Herp Instagram soon. I mean, you already take all the pictures. I do. I, I need a Philly Herp page though, and I need to promote it better. And uh, that's pretty much it. If you want to find me by email, if you're not on Facebook or whatever, it's FKDMatt at Comcast.net. You're so, a mat with two T's. Mat with two T's, yes. Is there a mat with one T? I don't know, like a Western European mat or Eastern yeah, European mat. Probably or some, there's John. Some J-O-N, Swedish mat. J-O-H-N. Yeah, there's probably some crazy stuff. <laughs> My cousin Jeff is G E O F. Oh, so. one of those, oh, the G Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Those are special G Yeah, we call them G and Guff and Joffrey. <laughs> You can reach us at portcitypythons.com, portcitypythons on Instagram, from the ground up podcast. You're listening to it, so I think you know where we are. What else do we have? That's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. <laughs> you don't sound very excited. I'm trying to be monotone so you can't hear how stuffed up my voice is. Well, that's not very good for the listeners. Stuffy, <laughs> nervous. My voice is all over the place, so you're fine. Well, the one thing I didn't get was you being nervous. You... I didn't feel that nervous. I didn't. I really didn't feel. I felt a little bit nervous. I'm doing a better job than I do on NPR because there's just some. I love NPR. I love it. And I, I'm friends with them. I could talk to them all day long, but there's just sometimes because none of us were all like, no, you go ahead, you go ahead. I mean, that's just what it is. If this was on the phone, we'd be all over the place. Yeah, it's different because we can look and yeah. get confused. If I was on my phone looking at it, we'd be all over the place. So if I'm ever on your show again or you ever want me back, I'm doing this all the time. So now you you got me here. So I'm not Evan, though. I'm not going to be here all the time. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to call you up on a pinch, man. You're like, hey, you're going to want to be here in 40 minutes. We got a show going on. That's what, yeah, Evan would show up like you know yeah with the kids and everything that that can't happen but yeah i could definitely be here i'm not far <laughs> you're really close to my work so really yeah i'm not that far yeah. from work yeah awesome yeah, i didn't love driving to your house at 6 a.m to drop him <laughs> off i got a lot of shit it's 40 it won't be 40 it takes, minutes without traffic yeah and she just went right to work to drive i drive I, I, I leave for work at like 5 15 a.m and i gotta drive an hour Wow. Yeah, no. And then I got stuck. The worst was driving back into the city because I work in the city. I got stuck in so yeah. much traffic. Tra- tra- traffic has been way worse in Philly in the South last like 10 years. It's, it's been brutal. Yeah, that road was terrible on your way back. Since they've been working on 95, it's been a nightmare. Yeah. Crazy. But we're talking about shit. No traffic, huh, guys? Traffic. Philly traffic. God how about that it. weather? Yeah, how about in every, <laughs> every major city there's traffic, guys? Yeah. So it happens. LA, LA people are pissed at me. Yeah, they're you like, go fuck compare. yourself. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yes, we're actually leaving now. For real, this is a real outro. Later, guys. Right? <laughs>